Since we are the recent uh, um, top notcher in the Senate elections, asking uh, James Menes, uh, "Bakit bumo ang boto niya mas marami kaysa botante?" And the reply, of course, is "Kasi mam, sobrang malaki ang bayad niyo sa amin." <laughs> Yan ang kalagayan ngayon. I understand, and I think uh, our Chairman, Speaker uh, Ben Lorke can uh, attest to that when he was running for uh, uh, party list, uh, he had to have uh, 35 million to bribe this Apomelec uh, uh, syndicates to be able to uh, get registered and win a seat in the party list Congress. So most of this uh, party list are known by a lot of people in the Congress as uh, being manufactured by uh, the Comelec. You get a congressional seat for a fee, and the going rate is about that. According to uh, Speaker Ben Lorke, it's about uh, uh, 35 million the last time he was charged and assessed for a fee. So this kind of situation uh, it explains why <clears throat> our uh, civilian elected tribunes always uh, protect the interest of the oligarchy rather than protect the interest of the people. So you have uh, situations where in this Congress tries to redefine public utilities uh, into public services so that they can invite in um, uh, total foreign control of these services. This is the proposal of uh, Congressman Salceda, who is uh, saying that, hey, uh, Mas mabuti pa, para mas efficient ang ating public utilities, let us invite uh, the foreigners to do it. So it looks like a proposal uh, that is uh, jumping from the uh, frying pan to the fire. But who cares? Uh, they are not uh, beholden to the people. They're beholden to the oligarchs because the oligarchs provide them the money to win their elections. So, uh, it's a vicious cycle that was explained by the loop I just presented earlier. So what are the innards of this thing? Of course, we have to show evidence of uh, what we're talking about. So uh, this next uh, slide, which you're looking at now, is showing us the padded votes in the elections that happened from 1987 onwards to 2019. The uh, Based on that, this is just a process of demographic analysis, uh, wherein I just looked at the increase in uh, the population rate of the country as provided by the census and the uh, Philippine Statistical Authority. And I looked at the uh, increase in uh, actual registered voters. And you will see that uh, those red uh, rows have problems because in those red rows, we have 
a lot of positive votes. As uh, I'm pointing out, it was about only 1.5 million in 1992, but it was uh, it rose up to a minimum of 12.8 million in 2019. So these are the ammunition that the Comelec uh, cheating syndicates use when trying to uh, deliver a ranking in the uh, Senate <clears throat> that was paid for by sponsors of this uh, of this uh, senators buying for office. That's another problem of our uh, political uh, makeup. We have a Senate that is uh, 24 senators. And this was already 24 senators at the time when uh, the, uh, the uh, Philippines only had 9.5 million people in uh, 1916. Now it is uh, more than a century later. We are now 110 million people, about uh, more than 10 times the 9 million before, but we still have only 24 senators. Um, if we go by proportionate uh, ratios between the uh, population and the uh, Senate seats, it should be around 84 senators right now. At the same time, uh, this uh, problematic situation of this dinosaur Senate had been compounded by the fact that uh, they reverted from senatorial districts to national uh, district representation. Uh, maybe that national set was uh, sort of uh, um, Doable at the time when we have less population. They did that during the Commonwealth period, the period when Kesson made that change. But now that we have 110 million people and we have 60 million voters to uh, present your case to, it becomes an impossible task to, for the senators to run for office uh, on their own resources or even of their own circuit of friends. They have begun to rely on uh, oligarchy sponsors to be able to do this uh, national campaign and uh, get to a position of the Senate. And since the Senate is too narrow, just 24 people, any oligarch that uh, bets on a senator will surely be able to exert influence on policy because of the lack of people in the Senate right now, even opposition senators are chairing committees, which is really problematic because you could not now pinpoint responsibility of who is handling the, uh, the uh, policies of the nation, which emanates from the Senate, because they are a national policy-making body. Kasi wala na silang tao, konti-konti lang sila, kahit na opposition ka, may chairmanship ka pa rin ng committee. Okay? So that is not good. Uh, supposedly, a majority decision has to be made, so that it's very clear that there is a majority in charge and that if things go awry, then the people throw them out in the next elections. This is no longer so in our Senate. Our Senate is so confused. It's just a personal fiefdom of egotistic personalities who are always uh, bragging that they are a republic unto themselves. And that's a lot of bullshit as far as the uh, uh, Philippine interest is concerned. So uh, that Senate has to be discarded, has to be remade, and has to be uh, changed. And the Bayanihan Constitution Commission, which uh, 
made some proposals, uh, have expanded the Senate and reverted back to senatorial district uh, elections. And uh, the senators don't like that because their egos uh, as potential presidential uh, contenders uh, <laughs> would be bruised and uh, they would not like to have that anymore. Because that is stepping a stone to a national constituency that will propel you to the presidency. That's a kabuang talaga ng ating political system. But going back to this thing, I'm showing you here this process of vote piling. And 1987 was relatively clean because at that time we just had a process of what you call the people revolt in EDSA, although it might be a misnomer. Uh, but at that time, Ramon Felipe made an effort to clean up the voters list. So we had uh, a relatively clean election uh, in terms of voters uh, during the uh, uh, 1987 elections, uh, senatorial elections. That's what was whole, that, that was what was held at the time. But uh, in the subsequent years, you see an addition of 1.5 million votes and then 4.7 million again in uh, 1995. That was because of the effect of the very narrow victory of uh, Fidel Ramos over, Miguel, over uh, Miriam Defensor. And a lot of people said that uh, Ramos was not really the winner of that uh, election, it was Defensor. And so Ramos uh, in his cohorts uh, padded the uh, votes, voters list in 1995, so that they will get a majority in the Senate election, the midterm Senate elections. And this was when the infamous uh, Dab Bawas came in and the most prominent victim here was the later Senator Nene Pimentel. Now, what happened between 1995 and 1998? Ramos had the ambition of uh, trying to run again as president. So he initiated the PIRMA. In the PIRMA, you are required to have uh, 3% to amend the constitution in each congressional district and a total of 12% of the total registered voters of the Philippines. So to be able to reach that figure, uh, Fidel Ramos asks for uh, a new registration. In that new registration, about 5 million voters were taken off the list. You see this gap between 1995 and 1998 in the column actual registered voters, it dropped from 36 million to 34 million. But that is just a net drop because at that time, there was also an increase already of population between 1995 and 1998. But the gross drop was about uh, that much, uh, 5 million, the one that was padded in 1995. So 1998 was one of our cleanest elections as far as the uh, vote padding is concerned. Since a coup was launched against Arab in uh, 2001, this, uh, the new president, uh, PGMA, was just so busy trying to consolidate her power, which was dubious, at best because of the invention of that uh, uh, constructive resignation doctrine of a rogue uh, Supreme Court, which elevated itself above uh, its uh, constitutional source. The uh, padded voters in the election in the Commonwealth was not increased. It remained uh, at the zero. 
But uh, then Gloria appointed uh, Ben Har Avalos, the very notorious uh, Avalos, who was involved in the China deal, you know, there's NTE-CTE deal. So what happened was that at the time, everything that Ramos uh, took out in 1995 inadvertently because of his ambition to be reelected was put back in in 2004. So we see now again 4.8 million voters added here. And that was when uh, a very popular uh, Fernando Poe, uh, who was more popular than Joseph Estrada, lost to GMA. And that was also the infamous uh, phrases getting popular at the time was the, hello, Garcia, and I'm sorry. Those are the very important phrases that became so popular at this time because of the cheating that happened in 2004. So, now we go forward. This uh, from 2004, 2007, you see all of those recorded uh, added voters there. And this has remained so. And in, 20, uh, in 2010, it was at 6.5 million. This was when we saw the phenomena of uh, Lauren Legarda, the most popular senatorial candidate, being, inch, uh, being uh, uh, outranked by uh, a, a novice called, uh, you know, uh, Grace Poe. And at, at one point, the votes of Grace Poe also went beyond the numbers of voters that could vote in the election. And the Comelec's Smartmatic at the time, because it was the first time it was being used, just said it's just a computer glitch and nothing more. So what happened was that uh, it was not Lauren Ligarda who became top-notcher, but it was uh, Grace Poe. In 2013, uh, we again uh, have these uh, problems of senators even not being able to uh, really uh, become or sit as uh, part of the uh, Senate immediately because uh, there were problems with uh, some people supposedly being manufactured or uh, then. This was when I think uh, Coco Pimentel was uh, was uh, cheated by uh, Miguel Sabiri. So uh, problems galore was also there. This was also the year when Glenn Chong exposed the way he was cheated as congressman in Deliran. These are recorded in most of the social media missives that we have. In 2016, we have, we have about 5.8 million votes there. And according to the anecdotal uh, recounting of things uh, during this presidential election, Duterte almost had 21 million votes, and this uh, uh, padded arsenal was a padding arsenal was not able to cope with it. So the only person that they cheated at the time was uh, Bongbong Marcos, whose um, actual margin of Robledo was only about two million. So the padded voters uh, list was uh, put to use and. Uh, the rest right now is uh, history wherein uh, Bong Bong was cheated and the cheating went on into our electoral grievance system and it took five, and a, five years to hear that case and uh, then they just uh, uh, destroyed it and put it away on a technicality. Now, what happened in 2016 to 2019? This was when uh, a massive, massive padding of the votes was done by Sharif the current Comele uh, Commissioner now, Chairman. Uh, during this period of time, um, you know, our, uh, if you look at the population column from 2016 to 2019, 
our uh, our population increased from 103 million to 107 million, or roughly about 4 million only, right? But if you look at the actual registered increase, the row, our voters, our actual registered voters increased from 54.4 million to 63.65 million, 66 million. Well, you see, while our population increased by only 4 million, our registered voters increased by 9 million. How was that? You know, whenever uh, there is an increase in population, you put cohort analysis on that, and you just count the 18 years old and above who can actually register. Those are the expected registrants. And the expected the increase in registrants is just about 2.7 million based on the 4.0 or 4.2 million increase in population. So uh, this thing, uh, this whole thing shows a padding of about 6.3 million, net padding of 6.3 million, what happened during 2016 to 2019. And so whatever you speculate, that padding <coughs> is there and that has happened. So now, this is the way it is. This is the way the Comelec uses this as ammunition, this positive voters to do it, together with this smartmatic uh, capability. Any automated election system, if the input is garbage, the output is also garbage. You have an input of padded voters in uh, the process of uh, doing the AAS, the um, automated election system. So you also get rotten garbage output in terms of cheated results in uh, what is turned out by the system. Another table that sustains what uh, we are talking about is this. This is uh, where I identified in the last column, uh, the uh, allegations of uh, defensor, uh, FDR cheating Mariam defensor with uh, the padded buzzer that was increased then uh, overtly at 705, the 1,103. You know, padding is done uh, two ways. You, you increase the uh, votes uh, directly. Usually you do it by uh, transferring the barangay 15-year-old into an 18-year-old category to increase the uh, padded voters. And you also do not uh, unregister people who are dead and you do not take out the original uh, registrations of people who are transferring. So with that, uh, padded voters uh, happen. And the 705,000 you see there for 1992, that is the overt padding. That is not the residual padding that happens through age, uh, age uh, through um, the transfer of voters and through the death of voters, mortality of voters. So you see here uh, again in uh, 1995, as I explained already, uh, Fidel Ramos and his cohorts padded the elections uh, registries, and we have about uh, 2 million that was padded there directly into this uh, process. Uh, there was nothing that happened in 1998, in 2001, as I explained, but then directly then in uh, 2004, under Abalos, 4 million was overtly added to the list. In uh, 2010, the beginning of the uh, elections of uh, using automated elections under Chairman Mello, 2.3 million was added into the list. 
So this accumulated uh, padding uh, showed you just uh, was accumulated into that row earlier, wherein I was showing you why we have an, a cumulative increase of padded voters here in this last column. Now let's go to this other slide. It shows you the padded ghost voters uh, ending in uh, 2014. The uh, the uh, and in, in, I mean in, 2000, in 2019, the estimated high padded uh, list is 14.7 million. Okay, and uh, these other columns here are more demographic data, which you can study and I can explain to you uh, further. Uh, but they are self-explanatory, and uh, the record of this uh, presentation will be there, so you can look at them on your own. Uh, last February 2021, the uh, the COMELEC uh, took out about 6.3 net, uh, around 7 million gross uh, padded voters. They said that, uh, or padded uh, list uh, deactivated about 7 million, saying that these people are the ones that have not voted for two uh, consecutive elections. But uh, if you will note, uh, it's also equivalent to that uh, overpadding that they did when the voters uh, increased, uh, registered voters increased by 9 million, while uh, our population increased only by 4 million. So they sort of corrected that in mass uh, last February, but they just corrected it on their own. The, nobody can interfere what they do. Nobody can check Comelec. Uh, they are not audited because they are an independent uh, constitutional body. And the unintended effect is that they do whatever they want like the charging uh, speaker Ben Lorke, 35 million, just to be able to get a congressional seat. So that is how they do these things. They own the Comelec, they sell you this uh, thing. It is no different than what happened to uh, uh, the time when Rome was decaying, when the Praetorian guards were selling the position of emperor to whoever would be able to pay. That is what the Comelec is doing to us right now. So you see here in this graph, it shows you what I was talking about. The red lines are the uh, increase in population. Uh, I mean, the blue lines and the red lines are the increase in uh, registered voters. So you will see in 1987, the increase in population uh, between 1987 to 1992 was 7.7 .7 million. And the increase in registered voters is only that much, uh, 3.5 million. So you see in 92, 95, when Ramos padded the senatorial elections, uh, you see that the increase in uh, population uh, was much less than the increase in registered voters. These are signals that padding is happening. The period from 95 to 98 shows you that the 4.5 million increase in population was also negated by the purge that uh, the new registration did. So there's a net uh, minus of 2.3 million during that period. This was when the Ramos parts happened, where 5 million uh, voters were taken out of the list. And we had a clean election with ERAP winning with a landslide. And so uh, you see the difference between the 95-98 elections and the 2004 elections, wherein uh, you already have a ballot in control. You see them here. Uh, that uh, the popular candidate Fernando Po was defeated, but uh, the difference is that he's more popular than ever, but he lost the elections because of the existence of this padded. 
positive voters. This is empirical data. We are not uh, make up, making up anything. This can be verified in all of the data that is available from the population uh, statistical and PSA authority, census and PSA, and also the records of this uh, election uh, registries are published records of the Comelec. So you see here what I was talking about, uh, this uh, time of Abbas, the one labeled as Abbas, you see there was just an increase of 4.6 million in the population of the country during the interval between 2016 and 2019, but our registered voters increased by 9.3 million. This alone already is a factual indictment of what is happening in our comedy. And that is what uh, demanded, uh, created a demand for the abolition of Comelec, abolition of Smartmatic. But after a, a few noises by Digum that he will try to do something about it, we still have the Smartmatic there, Comelec there, and we have the padded votes there. In fact, the uh, new information that they have released based on uh, data is that they now have 4.8 million new voters. But in fact, the increase of population between 2019 and 2022 20, uh, is just about 4 million. So there's again the fact that only 2.7 million of this can be qualified to register. But they already are bragging that they have 4.8 million already registered as new voters. And so that means to say they have added another 2 million to the existing 7 million uh, padded votes there. And we now have a total of about approximately 9 million padded voters in Comelec registries. That is a fact, and that can be empirically verified with simple demographic arithmetic. So these are the people responsible for doing that. The, uh, the oligarchs, they are, as I've shown in that oligarchic loop, they hire those uh, Comelec people to have their candidates and their candidates give them money. They get the money, prepare for the next election, and the cycle starts all over again. Now, who are these oligarchs? These are the oligarchs. Even before in 2015, they were already identified by the movement of Ardia Eveliana, the consumers group of the ones uh, reaping a lot of uh, millions of pesos in terms of uh, uh, the uh, rates that they have been exacting from the people, including the advance payments for the development of sewage facilities, which they never did. You see these people here, uh, Manila, you have Manila Water, which now is uh, line owned now by Razon. And then you have uh, uh, these other groups also now coming in like Prime Water, and that's it. And uh, it is uh, not a wonder uh, that uh, right now, if you count all of these things that should be refunded by these people to us, the consumers of uh, this uh, water, uh, it would it would actually uh, it would actually uh, abolish their equity positions, and it can be easily controlled by government. But that kind of accounting and that kind of point of view is not even being discussed in our mainstream media. Simple arithmetic, simple accounting arithmetic, assets and li plus liabilities, uh, minus liabilities equals equity. Their liabilities to the people are so much already. So it has abolished and, and sort of uh, obliterated their assets and the people now through government should be taking over these utilities, but they are not. Why? Because these uh, oligarchs control the policymakers in uh, both the uh, 
executive as well as in the uh, Congress. You know, Congress passes the laws favorable to, that, to them. And then the uh, executives under their control were just uh, some of them are their own employees that become cabinet members who are responsible for creating IRR, implementing rules and regulations, make sure that this doesn't happen. So that is why we see that this country of ours is actually something like uh, enemy controlled territory and the enemy are the oligarchs, oligarchs controlling this uh, process of uh, rent seeking, this process of controlling what we should have uh, as a people which we should benefit from. This is happening in the public utilities uh, uh, sector and this is happening in the natural resources sector where they exploit them without giving us, the stakeholders, any part of the exploitation that happened in Malampaya. Exploitation of the Malampaya resources. And it was tragic that uh, although our constitution says we should have 60% of it, the actual uh, sharing of uh, control and profit was just 90% for them, the uh, foreign-sponsored oligarchs, and uh, only 10% uh, for the government. That is really shameful. With uh, friends like that, in government and in the foreign investment sector, who needs enemies? So, proceeding further, uh, let's look again here. Uh, this is the statement released by Puno. He said that it will take more than quiet words to change this status quo, protected and secured by political dynasties who will not yield their monopoly of political power and the economic elite that established a new monarchy, the monarchy of the Manid, and will not, never give up their throne. That's from Renato Puno. A very similar quote comes from Mao Zedong. The revolution is not a dinner party, or writing an essay, or painting a picture, or doing embroidery. It cannot be so refined, so leisurely and gentle, so temperate kind, courteous, restrained, and magnanimous. A revolution is an insurrection, an act of violence by which one class overthrows another. Yes? Please mute yourself as you come in. Please mute. Ah, Hello, pakimute nyo muna kasi narinig pa ang boses ninyo. Okay, wala na. Pigong said that she has dismantled the oligarchy. This is a cartoon I borrowed from the Manila Times. So he cut it. This was a cartoon that was published during the time when the ABS-CBN was closed. So by that, uh, he claims that he has dismantled the oligarchy. But is that really so? Uh, you see that uh, 
he has equivocated in his uh, positions regarding the oligarchy. In July of 2020, he was congratulating himself after that uh, closure of the ABS-CBN, uh, and that he said he is now in control of the economy. But then, one year less than a year, uh, less than a year later, he was making this statement. He delivers a rare apology on May 4 for lashing out at business tycoons in the past, particularly to the Ayala Group and businessman Manuel Pangilinan. You will note that at this time, Ayala was brought out, bought out by Razon. Uh, the water interest of Ayala was bought out by Razon, and uh, Manuel B. Pangilinan uh, was also active uh, helping in the pandemic. So because of that, Duterte ate his words and made apologies to them. So we see here that uh, this equivocation of Duterte is not at all uh, in the interest of the people. So we're back to this situation, wherein uh, this oligarchy are untouchables. They control us. Our country is like an oligarch-occupied enemy territory, and we have to take it back. We have to go to a process of fighting to bring the country back into the control of the people. Because right now we are controlled, we are manipulated, we are in an we are in a very vicious loop where we have to get out of to free ourselves and reclaim our patrimony and uh, avoid being exploited through inequitous deals in water and uh, electric uh, monopolies and oligopolies. So, do we have to resort to the gun? We have to ask the military to intervene because elections has been suppressed. We cannot do things through elections. Our elections is, has been a Mickey Mouse election process. Our local elections have some credibility because some degree of control maintained by uh, vigilant uh, local people, especially if they are not totally dominated by a political dynasty. But in other areas, because of the proliferation of political dynasties, it's almost the same. It's controlled. Uh, they do retail uh, vote buying, they do wholesale digital cheating, and uh, uh, the common like uh, rapid proclamation and bahala na kayo sa protesta, wala na mamangyayari dyan, the electoral reform mechanism or redress mechanism is not uh, operational. So <clears throat> cheating is made to stick until the next uh, three-year cycle of political insanity sets in again in the next elections. We have the military to do it. And the military, of course, in any society is always the first to form. Like our uh, traditional tribal groups, uh, the person who is the strongest is the warrior chieftain and leads the, leads the tribe. That kind of tradition has been uh, carried forward as more complex uh, national organized polities reemerge, the military is still the core thing. There are three main functions, functions of the, of the, uh, of the uh, uh, society of a state to be not a failed state. It should be able to defend its territory. It should be able to have logistics, finance, and provide uh, the subsistence and uh, uh, nurturing of life for its people, uh, food and everything else. And it should have uh, a foreign relations that is uh, strong enough 
so that it can align with the French and the fight force together. Those three areas, which are the defense, finance, logistics, and foreign affairs, those are the three basic things. But foremost on that, without the military, we don't have a state. And we have experienced this in 1898, when our military was defeated by American intervention, our republic uh, folded up and our constitution, the 1899 constitution, which our, is our Dehori constitution, a fully sovereign constitution created by a free people became silent, but it has never been abrogated. So, what do we do with this discussion? We know that the basis of civilian supremacy of our military authority are clean elections, but we, would, we don't have them. So we're asking now in 2022, if the Philippine political class condones and abets this coming rape of our elections, then the army must correct it. In their role as uh, constitutional protectors of the people, the military should demand a Comelec digital audit by COVA because of the presence of millions of padded voters in Comelec registries. Our automated election systems, just like any computer application, will have a garbage in, garbage out situation if the cleanup of our election registries is not done and our electoral sovereignty <clears throat> will be raped again in 2022. It is to protect the people from the impending assault on their untrammeled election voting rights in 2022 that justifies the demand for a voter registry cleanup by the military. And we can use the 1899 Philippine Constitution as a reset button. Once enforced by our 124-year-old Philippine Army, whose antecedent, the Katipunan Army, lived and died under this 1899 Philippine Constitution, then the writ of this Constitution will again be followed throughout the land. It provides us with a legal interregnum to be able to do a process of uh, transition peacefully to a new ordered system where the Combalet will be curtailed and abolished, where our senators will be uh, put in proper place because we now have a federal parliamentary setup. And this uh, gift from our forefathers should be taken advantage of by our people right now. We have legal luminaries like uh, this guy, Audit Angpol, who argues that the Philippine constitution is alive and binding. We have Melchor Magdamo who says the same thing. And our, our legal professions have to be educated. They have to recognize the fact that their jurisprudence does not end as a penultimate reference to the 1935 constitution. The 1935 constitution is an American puppet constitution imposed on us. It was signed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt with uh, Manuel Alcazar just being a photo, photo bomber during that uh, signa, 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 signatory uh, ceremonies. The Laurel Constitution is a puppet constitution of the Japanese. Please mute, please mute. Uh, Somebody should go into the gallery view and see who is not unmuted and should be muted. 
Now, let's do this. Uh, let's look at this uh, process as a resort, as a recourse for us. And uh, this constitutional volcano that we are looking at, process of the hibernating, the 1898 constitution, has a peaceful process within it in section 94, the lay of magnanimity principle, wherein existing situations can be subsumed and absorbed and uh, change in an evolutionary manner. All that is needed is for the leadership within our armed forces to master the political will to enforce the writ of the 1899 constitution. And to help the army master that political will is our mission. So let's listen to this video. Happening. Ben Lorke, what's happening? The video being shared. Oh, the video does not have. Uh, okay. I will stop it now and I will end my presentation. There's supposed to be a video playing, but the video is not video online. There is no audio. No audio. Okay. So, uh, this uh, video actually is being seen by two without But in the uh, copy that we have in the 1899 uh, YouTube, it's not uh, a video, it's not an audio. It explains what is happening. So, let us just view this and uh, let us just finish it. And after this, then we uh, proceed to interpolation.
So, uh, calling for a resurrection government under the 1899 constitution so that we can uh, reset the country, abolish the Kamalek, have uh, new elections under uh, uh, a different uh, electoral body in our constitution. So, uh, you see this uh, process, it will be uh, something that we can cut short if uh, you would like to go into the process of interpolation. I will stop the sharing and uh, I can now, Mr. Speaker, entertain questions. Uh, by the way, any question for the shown video by Professor Gil Ramos, and then you could comment. Uh, yes, I, yeah, yes, I have a question. Just wait a minute. I'm, I'm trying to close yes. my system. So, Ben, you're opening table for questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Emanuel uh, Astellero, you are recognized. Okay, uh, ang tanong ko kay Gil Ramos, uh, ang strategy na sinasabi niya is to master the military to effect changes in the Comelec. But uh, we must remember that the president is the commander-in-chief of the military. And the chain of command is very clear. So unless you have a revolutionary military group, they will wait for the president to say to issue the command. Ilang, ilang. Thank you. Uh, Professor Hill. I think uh, that's true. The, uh, the military is under the commander-in-chief. That is why the call is on the military, and that includes the uh, call on the commander-in-chief. Now, the military structure uh, has a hierarchy. And, uh, you know, in the battlefield, if a lieutenant is shot down and killed, or a captain is shot down and killed, the lieutenant takes over. If the... Uh, Lieutenant is uh, becomes a casualty, then the sergeant uh, takes over, and the military mission continues. We're not talking about the death of uh, the thirty here. We're just talking about his incapability to perform what he has to do as a duty as a protector of the people. We are outlining the conditions of persecution and assault on our electoral sovereignty that is happening consistently, not only in one election, but in several elections. And we have empirical data to back it up. So as a response, we're calling on them to do that. And we'll continue calling on them. And we're saying to peacefully shift and continue and resuscitate their allegiance to the 1898-99 constitution. Through that, we are able to abolish Kamalek. We are able to reset things and be able to renew our process of uh, governance. Well, may I, may I, uh, Ben, Ben? Yes, uh, yes. The key to the strategy of mastering the military, which is under the 
command of the president is they will look up to the president to issue the command and the president is part of the problem as you explained so parbayon hindi palagay ko hindi issue ni Duterte yung command to dismantle the Comelec, etc., etc. Dahil nakikinabang siya role sa system na yun. Uh, he will have to follow constitutional process. Uh, the military cannot act by itself. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kamanuel, um, uh, idagdag ako dyan. Uh, a civilian is over military. And we have to consider that military are protectorate of the people. So if the military is using their common sense, then they have to obey the constitution. Tong aben accepted yan, but remember that the civilian command of the military, the expression of that civilian command is the president. The president is not military; he is civilian, but he is the commander in chief. At kung nakikinabang ang presidente sa sistema na dinescribe ni Hill Ramos, ay bakit i-issue ni Duterte yung kuman sa military to dismantle the Comelec? I, I don't think he, he will do that. Then, uh, then in that case, then let's go back to uh, Section 1, Article 2 of the Constitution, that sovereignty reside in the people and all government authority. The president is government authority. And all government authority emanate from the people. So, ibig ko sabihin na kung ipapasok natin yan, although he is the president, but he is only, he only, I mean, borrowed that authority from the people if the people has to retake that authority from him. He has nothing to do with it. Okay, Ben. Let me address you, Mr. Speaker. I need to recognize. Okay, thank you very much for the question, Mr. Emmanuel Astillero. That that citation of Ben, although it is within the citation of the eighteen of the nineteen eighty-seven Constitution, is actually an invocation of what is called the principle of constitutionalism. Constitutionalism, which is the recognition of the rule of law and the recognition of the fact that the supreme law is the welfare of the people. Salus populi est suprema lex. Cannot be supervened by any a particular instantiation or drafting of a paper document. The principle of constitutionalism protects a people from having to suffer a situation where the constitution, which is just their creation, becomes a tool for oppression of their rights, including their electoral rights, which is happening right now, with the unintended effects of this paper constitution, the 1987 constitution. And so when such a paper constitution is being used to oppress the people, the people has the right to shred it and discard it. That is the higher principle of constitutionalism. Our forefathers in 1898 were the ones who introduced constitutionalism 
in Asia, the first ever to declare a republic under constitutionalist principles. They drafted the constitution that was a sovereign constitution because they were not controlled by any foreign power. They just won over the Spaniards. But then what they were expecting to have as allies, the Americans started coveting the country. And so what happened was a war between the two nations, the young nation of the Philippines and the American power that was now crossing the Pacific. So we had a situation wherein our military was subdued. The principle of law again came in where law becomes silent in the face of arms. Our constitution was silenced by American arms, but they created a puppet American constitution, the 1935 constitution. But this 1935 constitution headed by Recto, who was a young lawyer then, advised by four deputies who were formerly under the staff of General Aguinaldo, made sure that there was no abrogation of the 1899 constitution. So the 1935 American puppet constitution never abrogated the 1899 Constitution. So was it with the, eight, with the 1942 Laurel Constitution. And the later on, Marcos put up a 73 Constitution, but it was a transmogrification of the 1971 Constitutional Draft of the 1971 Constitutional Assembly. So there were some political questions and legal questions about it. The 1987 Constitution is an American protectorate constitution because Corey would not have been able to declare a revolutionary government if Marcos was not abducted by the Americans into Hawaii. And again, this was proven in 1989 when Gringo and Enrile had a coup against the government and they were able to control all Philippine, Philippine uh, uh, military assets. But then the acting president, Dan Quayle, uh, allowed authorized overflights from Clark of American uh, superior uh, uh, air, air, uh, air forces. And it shut down, I think, uh, our capability to resist them by shooting down one of the fighter pilots, who, Filipino fighter pilots who, who faced them despite uh, uneven odds. So this was the situation that we are in. And then going forward, in 2001, this 1987 constitution, which was supposed to have been ratified by the Philippine Republic, by the Filipino people, has actually been broken when the coup against Arab was launched. In the 1987 constitution ratified by the Filipino people, there are very explicit statements on how to replace a president only by impeachment. A rogue Supreme Court under Hilario Davide created this doctrine of constructive resignation and has imposed it on a people, on our people, in, in the process destroying the 1987 Constitution. And you know, a constitution once broken cannot be put together again. The rogue, the rogue Supreme Court, which rose above the constitution that authorized it was really subverting 
that process. Since that time, our constitution has been honored, this 1987 part has been honored in the bridge rather than in the rather than in the observance. So, when you say that under the Constitution, Duterte is supposed to be the Commander-in-Chief, but the natural law uh, uh, the people, the Chinese uh, I think I have, uh, I have muted Sonny Domingo because he was the one, I think, the source of the noise. So let me continue. I was saying that the 1987 constitution has already been broken. We have only a patched up constitution that is sustained by consensus among the powers controlling it. They are doing the things that are not in the constitution, like the uh, coup against Iraq, and like the imposition of medical martial law right now. That is not in the constitution. But the things that the constitution is asking them to do, like Congress passing a political dynasty law, and like Congress also <clears throat> uh, passing a, a, uh, a uh, or uh, that uh, the executive implementing Articulo 12, where the president is uh, actually told, compelled to take over public utilities to protect the people, it's not being done. So this constitution, as I was saying right now, is just a piece of paper from the point of view of the powers that occupy the power positions in the country. So now you say Duterte has to be, has to correct this. He has to correct this and go back to the constitutional order. It is like uh, in a meeting like us, somebody rises and says, point of order, Mr. President, you have to do something. He doesn't do it, then somebody else under him with a political will to do it, will do it. In a military command situation, there is that question that a subordinate asks his superior, his immediate superior, are you all right, sir? It means to say, he is addressing his superior and asking his superior whether he can still fulfill his command duties. If the, if the answer is uh, equivocated and not clear, he is usually ready already to capture and detain the superior officer and take over command. That is the situation now that you're asking Mr. President Duterte. Are you all right, sir? As Commander-in-Chief, are you all right, sir? Are you ready to fulfill the mandate of your office? Are you ready to protect the Filipino people? Because if you are not all right, sir, then something has to be done. So, Mr. Emmanuel uh, Astillero, uh, are you satisfied with the explanation of Professor Hill? Uh, 
palagay ko sasabihin ni Duterte, I'm all right. So, paano ba yan? So, now it depends on the military establishment. That is why our job is just to tell them once they have critical mass to face the president. The president has offered the command to them twice in the past in his command conferences. But he has stopped doing that. Maybe he knows now that if he does it again, a military general might just take his block and take him on. Kaya hindi niya sinasabi yun. Wala nang sinasabi. Noon, dalawang beses niya, no, first, the chief of staff. Already na ba kayo mag-takeover? Sabi ng military, hindi pa, sir. Hindi namin alam pagpatakbo ng ekonomiya. But now, we have been in contact with most military people, peacefully telling them, this is how you will do a takeover if you need to take over. This is how you will do Yeah. So that is uh, the situation that uh, uh, Thank you. Yeah, Mr. Speaker, a right to be recognized. Okay, you are recognized, Attorney uh, Posada. Okay, I'm, I have to apologize. I, I'm not uh, ready for the video part of this uh, uh, session. But uh, in uh, response to Mr. Acelero's uh, question, uh, I would... Uh, Let's put it this way. I would debate with the President Duterte. And assuming that Mr. Acelero is uh, Mr. Is President Duterte. So I would establish the line of uh, discussion with President Duterte by starting, Mr. Acelero, please, you have a piece of paper. Just kindly put down 1899 Constitution as a first point. Mr. Acelero, and you have a very, very good uh, uh, question. And this as, gives us a chance to more or less establish a line of, uh, of uh, discussion on the constitutional, legal, and political process. Because after all, these are all processes, Mr. Acelero. So we start with 1899 Constitution, which represents the manifestation of the people's will back then. Our forefathers, we belong to the same people, we belong to the same country, they are our forefathers. That represents the pure people's will. And the pure people's will is the most superior cause to form a constitution in order for a people to, the go to govern themselves orderly and peacefully. So start from the 89 constitution. The 1899 Constitution represents the purest Filipino will, which is the most superior creator of a constitution. We're part of that people's will right now, even as we are only small voices, even a whisper. Nevertheless, we are part of voicing our people's will. Now, this people's will, in the form of that constitution, continues on. It's never been broken. And also, by the fact that our forefathers, uh, Katipunan, Katipunan Army, pledged allegiance to it because it was already promulgated by President Aguinaldo. And President Aguinaldo back then represented as their commander-in-chief. So when Aguinaldo uh, promulgated it, that's considered also already pledge of allegiance by the Katipunan Army. Yet that continues on. It's never been broken. Now, let's continue on from 1899. So remember, that is the pure people's will. That's the creation of pure <coughs> people's will. 
There's never been broken. There's a continuity historically, constitutionally, legally, because a constitution is like a corporation. It has indefinite, it has indefinite uh, um, uh, term unless it's been uh, abolished or uh, ab uh, abolished or um, uh, changed along the way. But okay, remember this, 1899 constitution continues on unchanged. It's never been superseded, it's never been abolished by the following constitutions. The following constitutions do not even represent the pure people Filipino will. It's been tainted, it's been intervened. So it's not pure Filipino will for that matter. If only for that fact, it is a an impaired constitution. It doesn't really represent the superior people's will of the Filipino people. So continue on. So along the line of succession, there's been presidents, uh, uh, armed forces, uh, chief of staff, and so on. It continues on. It's never been broken. So once it's pledged by the uh, by the president of the Philippines and and automatically pledged by the army, that pledge and allegiance continues on. It's never been broken, and that is our birthright, our birthright and natural birthright in our blood, and it is our right to claim it. We have to claim it. Otherwise, you know, what are we Filipinos for? Okay, you, you ask, uh, I'm, get, I'm asking that question. What are we Filipinos for? <laughs> the integrity of the, being a Filipino and our pure people's will is in that 1899 constitution. We have to claim it as our birthright. Now, I will ask President Duterte, Mr. Duterte, do you have any issues with those uh, statements that I meant that it's a continuation of the pure people's will? What will he answer? If you were President Duterte, Mr. Celero, what will you answer? Is that a continuation yes. or? May yes? I answer that, President Correct. Duterte? Okay. Huh? Yeah. Uh, since 1899, yes. there has been a succession of constitutions. Merong yung Mark Constitution ni President Marcos. Merong Constitution 1987 ni Corey. And I think there's a Constitution being used now. Yeah. Okay. Now, the I think what is being used now is yung 1987, if I'm not mistaken. No? 1987. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you want to use, if we want to use 1899 again, uh, we have to go to the Supreme Court, which is the branch of government that is the final arbiter on constitutional issues. We can discuss it here. Why not? We are free to discuss it here. But finally, this group must go to the Supreme Court and file an impleading, no? Na gamitin natin yung 1899 Constitution, still in force. Yun. And then, yeah. let us see how the Supreme Court will rule. Ganun ang palagay ko dapat gawin. And when the Supreme Court rules positively for this group, 
Ko ayun. Okay. Use it. Yes. Okay. You're correct. Robert, you have to be recognized first. Right. Okay. Attorney Posada, you are recognized. Right. Okay, Mr. Larry, you're correct. You're correct anyway. This is what we're leading to. The 1899 Constitution was never been abrogated by the by the uh, by the following constitutions it was never abrogated by the 1935 uh, american influence constitution never been abrogated by the uh, what uh, what follows that and any other constitutions up to the present the 1987 constitution has never abrogated the 89 constitution there's never been a provision that the 1899 constitution was already abolished so it continues on since there is no abrogation, that Constitution 1899 is still alive. Now, this is where we are pointing, we're at this point. We are going now, at this point, we are uh, petitioning first the uh, oath of office of President Duterte. Again, that's constitutional because in the, we are citing the 1987 Constitution, which is what we're using now that in that constitution, the president's out of office is to redress people's grievances. What we are doing now is grievances. We are asserting our grievances so that the whole the constitution is defective and it's no longer working and it's oppressing us. So it is our right to redress for uh, president, to, to ask President Duterte to redress and follow his out of office. That's all we're asking. Now, our resolution up to this point has been formed. We are now calling on President Duterte and uh, the Armed Forces of the Philippines and or, you know, ibig sabihin nun, and or, if President Duterte does not exercise his oath of office to listen to us, one or the other, whether he says no or yes, okay? Pag sinabi ng yes, then he's following his oath of duty. Yun ang oath of duty niya eh. Pag sinabi niyang no, then he is in the reelection of his duty, not even to listen, not even to consider. Ang ibig sabihin naman, and or, now the armed forces now has the right because they already pledged allegiance to enforce that constitution, so they will have to uh, enforce the constitution as, as it is now. Now, if ever there is a conflict between uh, President Duterte and the armed forces of the Philippines, we can go to the Supreme Court. That is not that is not uh, out of the question. We can uh, file a petition with the Supreme Court because it becomes a constitutional crisis. We go through the process. Hmm. Now, if it so happens that a constitutional crisis it cannot be resolved, then as protector of the people, the armed forces of the Philippines will have to take over. We have no choice. We have to push it. It is our birthright. Oh. Di maliwanag si Duterte ayaw niyang itupad ang kanyang out of office. So, ang sasabihin ng Armed Forces of the Philippines, you don't want to to fulfill your out of office to the people. That is your constitutional uh, duty. So, sasabihin ng Armed Forces, we have no choice, Mr. President. Set aside, since you don't like it, then it's for the people, for us to protect the people and enforce this. The Supreme Court cannot intervene. Because there's nothing to file with them. There is only if there's something that's filed. For all you know, President Duterte may go to the Supreme Court and challenge the armed forces of the Philippines. Okay, bottom line is there's a constitutional conflict, but it must go on. 
to replace the present system which is so defective and so oppressive that we people don't like to stay in that uh, kind of uh, form of government anymore. And here's one thing that we are doing now. What we're doing are all the effects of oppression and defective constitution. The defects of the 1935 and now the defects of 1987's constitution. These are all the effects. The only cause that we are talking about right now is a cause to change everything completely from down up, short of a social cultural overhaul. Oh, that's what we're trying to avoid because this can never change. In logic, again, I've already discussed it constitutionally and legally, but in logic, Mr. Celero, a substance uh, has to be changed completely. Because in a substance, substance has characteristics and features. You know, in every there's only one substance, but it has characteristics and features. Now, the 1987 government, its substance is so defective, it has so many eff defective effects that they remain as corruption and contamination. If you remain with the same system, the contamination remains, deep-rooted contaminations. Once you change the complete system, then at least this will give us a break on, an, uh, on a new reset, then it will be harder for corruption to come in. But all the corruptions that have happened already, that have been charged and will be charged, will have to, be, uh, will have to follow its course of justice. So nobody will escape it. Once the system is completely changed, then uh, so be it. If the armed forces has to take over, we have done it legally and everything that in our power and capacity to petition President Duterte and bottom line, go to the Supreme Court. But it will happen. Well, go to the Supreme Court. File a resolution to use yes. the 1989 Constitution instead of the 1987. Only the Supreme Court can rule on that, not the armed forces of the Philippines. Okay. No, that's that's the final Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what we're saying. I didn't say that we're not going to the Supreme Court. We have to wait for an answer from Duterte and the armed forces themselves. Point of order. Yeah, point of order. Because the earlier presentation I made talked about the Supreme Court became becoming a rogue Supreme Court when it abolished, when it uh, interjected and invented the... Uh, uh, constructive recognition doctrine. At that time, that Supreme Court has already created a defect, a flaw in the 1987 Constitution, which broke it and also broke its credibility. One point. Next point. The Supreme Court, sitting as SCPET, has uh, done dilatory tactics with impunity not correcting the people's desire for a correction of electoral grievance by hearing the vice presidential protest for five years. That is again a dereliction of duty which shows that they are part of the manipulative characteristics of the elite and they're controlled also by the oligarchy. Therefore, our group really are saying that we are now pledged to the 1899 constitution. We're asking the military to join us. 
because all these institutions under the 1987 Constitution have been abused, misused, and not used. So we are saying the Supreme Court is no longer the Supreme Court that must arbitrate about, about this because it has become a party to the crime of killing and abusing the 1987 Constitution. Its credibility is kaput. It cannot rule on another constitution. It becomes a political question. And the political question that we are, and the political uh, demand that we are asking the, the army to do is to withdraw allegiance from the 1987 constitution peacefully because of this misuse, abuse, and non-use of that constitution. And now okay, let's uh, the 1989 if uh, you're not going to the Supreme uh, Court, must be recognized uh, first. I have the floor. Uh, I have the floor. Mr. I have the floor. Mr. Acelero. I have the floor. You're not yet recognized by the speaker. That's how we can uh, avoid passionate and uh, chaotic discussions. Okay. Uh, I, I, I yield to, to your question. I am uh, taking the floor now again in my statement. So, what is your question? As an interpolation. Okay. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Uh, what you're saying is you will not use the Supreme Court as an avenue to use the eighteen ninety-nine constitution instead of the nineteen eighty-seven because they are part of the system already and you cannot get justice from the present Supreme Court. So, gagamitin natin yung military. What you are suggesting is a coup d'etat. A military will take power. No. Yes, it is. Kasi you're going to use the military. Coup d'etat. No. Coup d'etat. We are asking them to just resume we're asking them to just resume their allegiance as the Katipunan Army. The Philippine yeah. Army is 124 years old. It comes from the Katipunan Army, which promulgated this 1899 constitution. They were present in Malolos Barasuin Church when it was promulgated. We are correcting history, uh, Mr. Arcelliero. We are, hey, and, and you see the illogicality of you saying we have to, we have to go to a Supreme Court that is pledged to defend the 1987 constitution? How can they rule on another constitution? They cannot. It is a political question beyond their reach, beyond their jurisdiction, because they are sworn to defend the 1987 constitution, this particular Supreme Court. That's why we cannot do that. It is an illogical move. Okay. Okay. May I, may I, okay. Mr. Ben? Okay. Then if you're not going to use the Supreme Court, because it will not rule in favor of the 1899 as you analyzed it, you are going to use the armed forces to make the changes. And that's a coup d'etat. You're, you're yeah. actually saying, uh, let us mount a coup d'etat. Let us uh, not use the Supreme Court. Let us uh, remove the president. Let us uh, abolish Congress and let us start with the new government. You know, sir, as I may I comment on your uh, part? 
Ang uh, ibig sabihin ni Professor Hill Ramos is the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. But it is under supervision of the Supreme Court. So, what he wants to explain directly is a military as protectorate of the people has to protect the will of the people directly. And let's go back to the 1899. Correct. You are correct, Ben. You are correct. But it's not recognized. Okay, Professor Hill, you are recognized. Constitutionalism is above the 1987 Constitution. Constitutionalism, which is the, the rule proclaiming the will of the people and the supreme law is the welfare of the people, is above the 1987 Constitution. <clears throat> Once a particular Constitution is used to oppress the people as what they are doing with the 1987 Constitution, then that Constitution should be discarded and the people have to demand from their protectors, their natural protectors, the military, which is the natural protectors of any group of people, with or without the constitution, even by common law. It's always the military that the people will go to for protection. They are now calling on the military under that natural process, that natural law. Let us not be controlled by particular constitutions which are inferior to the principle of constitutionalism. So that we are saying, uh, we, do it, we do it peacefully. Now, if you call it a kudita, uh, it's up to you to call it a kudita. We are saying, no. we are asking the military to peacefully withdraw this recognition of the 1987 constitution, which has been abused, misused, and not used. Therefore, we are saying, let's go, Mr. Military, you are our natural protectors, protect us from the impending unintended effect of this 1987 constitution, which will lead towards electoral rape of our electoral sovereignty this coming 2022. That is what we are asking, Mr. Speaker. That is what our group is asking. We Mr. Constitution. May, may I, may I? May I? Okay, I yield the questions, Mr. Speaker. Okay. Okay. Ben. Mr. Presiding Officer, may I answer that? Just a moment. Attorney Posada has something to say. Okay. Here's the perception of Mr. Astillerio, and I cannot blame him. There's a difference between what we're doing. What we're doing is not rebellion. And when you talk about rebellion, when you're trying to incite sedition or rebellion, then it's all part of the military taking over. It's a coup d'etat. A coup d'etat is to change the leadership of the present government. It is not to change the constitution or the system. Yun ang coup d'etat. We're not asking coup d'etat. We're asking the military to enforce the valid, our valid pure people's will constitution. They are not going to change President Duterte. That's a coup d'etat. It is not a coup d'etat. What we're doing is end all. If President Duterte doesn't want to change the Constitution and follow the people's will, which is our right, remember, we are the superior people's will. He has to listen to us. If we want to change the system or the Constitution or the form of government, we're not changing him. 
nor the military in a coup d'etat changing him. If, the, if President Duterte says, I don't want to change the constitution, then the military has the right to take over because they pledge allegiance to that constitution already. So we're not rebelling. We're not changing President Duterte. Once the system is changed, he can go on as, it, as the prime minister until elections are held. So there's a difference. It's not a rebellion. Now, when it comes to a point that President Duterte challenges the armed forces of the Philippines, then we will file a petition with the Supreme Court. And we're not saying that we're not going to use the Supreme Court. Because the Supreme Court will, if there's a constitutional crisis between the people, uh, the army, and, and the other branches of government, and President Duterte himself will have to be adjudicated in the Supreme Court. That's very orderly. So it is not coup d'etat, it is not because it's rebellion. Because it's rebellion, it's not a coup d'etat. Coup d'etat is changing a person. What we're doing is petitioning. It's our right to petition as our sovereign people's will. We are the superior creator of the constitution. We want to change the constitution. We're not going, we're not asking to change President Duterte as a person, as a president. We're saying, at President Duterte, it is our people's will. We are the superior people's will. We are the creator of the constitution. We want to change the constitution. Correct? So it's not rebellion, it's not condita. Uh, may, may I take the floor, Mr. Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should define as changing leadership. And the definition of coup data, you change the government. And the government consists of the three branches, even Congress. But sige, sige, I'll take your definition. Hindi coup data. Also, I'd like to correct that there is a bloody coup data and there is a peaceful coup data. Ngayon, uh, if the army makes a peaceful coup data, oh, wala namang problema, wala mamatay, no? So, bababa na lang si Tete, yung Congress, Katigil, etc. And then, we'll have a change of government using the 1989 Constitution. Ngayon, uh, I do not see the difference between a peaceful coup data and a resolution to be filed with the Supreme Court now requesting that the 1989 Constitution be used instead of the 1987. That is the peaceful way of doing it. Ngayon, if we, our group feels na the Supreme Court rules against us, oh, sige, so we go to the military and say, oh, let's have a peaceful coup d'etat. Oh, yeah, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to be okay. recognized. You are recognized, Attorney Posadas. Okay. The, uh, the, the essence of a coup d'etat. Robert, yeah. can, you yield the, can you yield the floor to Geoffrey Balsay? Yeah. Uh, okay. If Geoffrey Balsay is uh, here, then uh, you are recognized. Mr. Balsay, you are recognized. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, Mr. Speaker and Mr. Chairman, um, I think we have to we have to carefully 
Um, if I may ask the background to mute, others to mute. If we'll have, we'll have to take a careful attention to the sequence event of events that we want to happen. Because it's, as, I, as what's happening right now, we are being, it, it we may be misconstrued as fostering or encouraging a, a coup, which is tantamount to, to sedition, rebellion, and all those charges. We are take we must establish that we are taking a very legitimate path. And the legitimate path, our basis of a legitimacy of legitimacy is really, as attorney Posadas pointed out, a constitution that has not been abrogated and the sovereignty that was not ceded, that was never ceded. We also have armed forces that were founded based on its spirit during the revolution. And even that has not been ceded, has not been abrogated. So the armed forces of the Philippines does contain the spirit, the very spirit of that 1899 constitution that was never ceded and never abrogated. And then, so and so we give a very reasonable option to the president who, may, who will be asked, are you all right, sir? And if, if he says, yes, I'm all right. And then they can engage into the discussion of what he means by all right. Is he all right to defend the will of the people? How? And the military can then present to him a better alternative with all due respect and all due reason. And if he does choose that path of greatest reason, then he can work to obtain the legitimacy from the 1987 constitution itself, which says, if you can get, uh, don't know how many millions of signatures, then you can initiate the change. And if he does, and if we do get the, then that would give us not just the legal basis, but the political leverage as well. So we can thus proceed to the Supreme Court to recognize the legitimacy of the shift from to the, back to the 1899 Constitution. I think we have to manage that careful. We have to carefully manage that sequence of events. Thank you very much. That's all I have to say. Okay. Thank you, uh, Mr. Geoffrey Balse. And uh, I think uh, in addition to what you say, if the 12% of the total registered voters and 3% of the regional voters agree that the constitution must be changed, so I think uh, nobody could uh, oppose to it because that is also mentioned in, 18, uh, in 1987 constitution. And if the people need to change the constitution, by going back to the 1899 constitution. So I think there is no such question for that. If the 12% of the total registered voters plus 3% of the regional voters agree to it. Attorney Posadas, uh, 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 can you say something about it? Attorney Posadas, are you there? 
Oke, okay, Profesor Hill. Well, uh, saying that we will not go to the to the supreme court first because a people's will is also the creator of the supreme court as part of the constitution and people's will especially our pure people's will under the 1899 constitution must be must be revived in order for history to complete itself we don't like the same history as we have now to to repeat itself because insanity there will be the same process in the cheating in the elections corruption of the oligarchy we will be oppressed there will be just like what's happening now uh, there is chaos in even in considering the fact that even right now uh, if i may say so i'm claiming right now that president duterte is no longer authorized to supervise the branches the other branches of government nor the lgus or the barangays because his national emergency declaration has already expired in the constitution see we're following the constitution we're still citing and invoking the constitution the president may declare a national emergency law cumulatively effective only for six months before six months is over, he has to go and report to Congress to ask for an extension. He has never done that. He's already overextended his authority. So he's no longer authorized now. So government Gwen Garcia, for example, has the right to question his authority because after all, his protocol is very effective. But he's only being overridden uh, just like just like any anybody else in the Philippines, they don't listen anymore to anybody. They just follow what they want at the cost of suffering of the people. And the people at such a point in time now are all are more fearful of the of the government than the virus itself. It doesn't make sense. Everything is data driven with no result. It's the same result. They just keep adding and changing. So that in itself is already a violation of the constitution. Be that as it may, what we're doing is asking President Duterte because it is our right to ask him under his oath of office to redress, to listen to us as our, as our people's will. We are superior creator of the constitution. We're asking the agent of that constitution to follow his duty to listen to us. We don't go to the Supreme Court first because it's part of the constitutional process to utilize that out of office for the people to ask President Duterte uh, to redress their grievances. That's all we're asking. So a petition and asking President Duterte, Mr. President Duterte, would it be better if we change the system because everything is all chaotic and history will repair itself and the people are continuing to be oppressed, corruptions going, deep-rooted and entrenched corruption going on, they cannot change. So remember what I said, logically, you have to change the system or the substance in order to uh, uproot all the entrenched corruption. If you don't change the system, contamination like the virus remain. If you don't eliminate the virus, 
this is the substance of the government system, the contamination will remain. So change the system completely, and that is our right to ask under the Constitution for the president to change the system. If he doesn't want to change the system, there is the uh, enforcement uh, uh, part of the government for the military to not take over, but to completely follow the 1899 Constitution, because that is now our considered valid and alive Constitution. Now, if there's a conflict, then we go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court remains. It will not be abolished. They will remain as they are according to their terms. But what will be abolished immediately will be the Department of Health and their implementation and the Comulec and the Smartmatic. Those are definitely will be changed right away because they are all the entrenched corruption uh, um, underground, uh, uh, underground themselves. They have to uproot them by completely changing the system. If you don't change the system, they remain infected. Oh, and then it will repeat itself. So this is our chance now. And it is our birthright, especially we're not asking for another constitution, not just any other constitution, but it's our birthright. It is our ancestors, uh, forged by our ancestors, forefathers, blood, sweat, and tears. It is our birthright. We're only claiming that birthright. We're asking President Duterte to say, Mr. Duterte, please exercise your autopilot to listen to us. Oh, and then President Duterte will say, okay, I'm listening to you. What do you want? Oh, oh well, you know, when the President Duterte says, okay, what I need to do is to order a plebiscite. Ayan. He will say, okay, since you are petitioning it, let's do this formally and in process. Uh, let's. I will order a referendum or a plebiscite. He will now order a referendum, uh, even presently, probably through the Comelec or through the barangays, but probably through the barangays because Comelec is infected, contaminated. Then people will have to vote. They, what according to the prerequisites of a plebiscite or a referendum, if it says it requires according to the constitution that uh, how many portion of the population, uh, how many percentage of the population is required for a resolution or a for a plebiscite to be approved. When it's approved, President Duterte has no choice. He has to follow that referendum result. Correct? Okay, Mr. Zaleros, you are recognized. Please uh, unmute. Please unmute your audio. I think we are forgetting that Congress has a part in this. Because we are uh, concentrating on President Duterte to do the constitutional changes. Actually, it's the Congress who must initiate constitutional changes or adopt a new constitution. It is Duterte. Si Duterte implements uh, the policy. Ang kanyang policy na magagawa, yung policy ng executive. But if we're talking about uh, the Constitution, I think we should go to Congress. Yun ang alam ko, no? And then if there is a conflict between Congress and the executive, the Supreme Court arbitrates. 
Uh, kaya kailangan dito sa usapan nito, ipasok niyo ang Congress. Yun lang. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Namilo Goldate, uh, any comment? Because yesterday, uh, Attorney Aaron uh, with your group is talking about Constitution. Mr. Namilo Goldate, can you unmute your audio? Okay, he's not. Uh, any anybody wants to say something? May I, please, Mr. Okay. Speaker? Okay, okay, go ahead, Mr. Balsi. All right. Here is the dilemma if we approach the Congress. The Congress has been elected using dubious electoral processes. Therefore, they would be in a conflict of interest. Between, between reforming the electoral process and upholding the constitution or thinking of what is good for the people. We would call that principal agent risk. How do we know that their decision will be for the good, for what they have in mind is for the good for, of the people and not for their own good? And because they, we bear that principal agent risk of authority, our moral hazard increases that they will take they will take riskier moves that may be contrary to the people because the people are not exactly in general aware of what is happening, aware of the defects of the electoral policies that we just discussed. So that is uh, essential that is the dilemma we would be in if we approach Congress. Whereas let's acknowledge, yes, that the role of the executive of uh, the role of the president is to execute the policies made by Congress. But above that, he has made uh, a sworn an allegiance to the people first, to the constitution second. And if he and if he is consistent with those at least first two priorities he's made in his oath of office, then he has every we have every right, he has every right to exercise the due process to initiate a shift from the 1987 constitution to the 1899 Constitution, and as Dr. Posadas suggested, and which I support, conduct a plebiscite immediately, as soon as possible. So that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. May I have you recognized? Then uh, anybody has to say something? May I have you recognized? Yes, you are recognized, Professor Hale. Yeah, you are recognized. Okay. Um, um, I. Uh, I'm aware of, uh, I think, uh, the congruence of the statements of uh, Mr. Balse and Mr. Astillero. I think the point of uh, convergence is uh, the desire for a peaceful process of changing the uh, government or changing the leadership of the country. My comment on the uh, statements of uh, Mr. Astillero is that uh, he was proceeding from the presumption of regularity in the uh, elections of uh, the people who are in power now. But I have pointed out 
in the presentation I just made and my point of privilege that this has not been solved for the past several elections. Our elections have always been manipulated by a syndicate that frustrates the will of the people. It's not totally frustrated because some local people win and the 31 in 2016, because the, not because of the regularity of processes, but they were because of the fact that the cheating process failed in the case of Duterte. So they were not able to put the votes to destroy um, his mandate or his election. The other thing also that's important to note is that I alluded to the fact that the top position in 2019 was bought, was bought by the billiards from the Comelec syndicates. Uh, the actual, uh, the actual, uh, believe it or not, the actual uh, top notcher of 2019 was Bongo, followed by uh, Bato de la Rosa. Cintia Villar was just number three. This was based on surveys I was running because I own a survey firm there, Survey ng Bayan, and that was the findings I had. And then, you know, when a Senate ranking is manipulated, that impacts potential presidential choices or Senate president choices. This intervention of the Comelec happened also in the ranking of Grillon in 2016. The actual top natural there is Joel Villanueva. He was not the top natural, but he manipulated it in the course of cheating uh, Bongbong Marcos. He also made sure that he got the top position and that uh, Laila Dilemma gets in also as a, as a senator. Now, these uh, situations that I'm talking about is also applicable to the 2010 elections. And the actual senator top notcher was Lauren Legarda. But uh, the Comelec Smartmatic, maybe because they were so guilty of cheating Fernando Po, made sure that it was uh, Grace Po that became top notcher. But I think it was because they were responding to the order of the late President Tainoy Aquino. You can make anybody top notcher as long as it is not Lauren Legarda. I think uh, they feared the presidential run of Lauren Legarda. So she was frustrated from becoming top notcher. So this manipulation that I was talking about impeaches the presumption of regularity that uh, Mr. Altariero attributes to the roles of our uh, institutions in, 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 in our present, under the present 1987 constitution. Be that as it may, after having said that, it is still important to find the peaceful process that can be followed to transition from the present situation into a governance under the 1899 constitution. And I am conscious of what uh, Mr. Balse has mentioned, that we have to be very careful in the staging of these events and the staging of our efforts and uh, public positions so that we will not be misconstrued as the way we were understood by uh, uh, Mr. Ateliero that we are promoting a coup d'etat and we will not stop and we will even go into a process of a violent coup d'etat. If uh, there is a way to do it peacefully, we will do it peacefully. 
And that is why we are calling on the armed forces to peacefully withdraw allegiance from this abuse, misused, and not used 1987 Constitution and revive the original allegiance of our Katipunan army to the 1899 Constitution. And then from there, reset the country and correct the political misfortune that we have been going through for several decades now. So, what I'm trying to say is even if it is, even if we consider the 1987 Constitution a de facto constitution and not the legal constitution of the country, since it is in force in effect, there is such a thing as recognizing it de facto, even in international law. And at the moment, since we are, we are uh, dedicated to a peaceful process, we have to use the existing processes available in this de facto constitution to transition towards a and 1899 constitution. But we have, we should not lose sight of the actual goal that this actual constitution is already defective, not only from its nature from the start, but also from the way it has been mishandled, abused and mutilated by the existing powers that be. Be that as it may, I recognize the points of uh, uh, Mr. Balse and Mr. Astelliero, but I think the common point there is we want to have a peaceful path towards change in the country. Thank you. Okay, so Mr. Milo Gold 8, uh, can you unmute and say something? Because yesterday, uh, Attorney Aaron is discussing uh, in the Constitution, and I guess uh, you are with him as well. So can you please unmute and uh, you are recognized. Mr. Milo Gold 8. So he is not uh, responding. And um, May I? Mr. Sunny Domingo. May I? Just a moment. Just a moment. Mr. Sunny Domingo, are you, can you hear me? Can you please unmute your audio? Okay, Mr. Astillero, you are recognized. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Ben. Uh, what Hill uh, Ramos is saying is that uh, we cannot use the Congress, which I am proposing, because their election is under question. Uh, because the Congress manipulated their election set. So be it. And therefore, the only alternative is to use the armed forces, is correct, in a peaceful way. And he says it can be done by withdrawing allegiance to the president, who is their commander in chief. But then uh, the next step is to set a constitutional process going. Pwede mag-adapt ng constitution, na bagong constitution, 1989 the armed forces may be a force to initiate changes, Tama si Hill. Pero 
after the armed forces steps in and says, oh, sige, uh, let's have these changes, you go back to Congress. And yung mga objection niyo about the election of the Congress people, ay, you have to accept that. No? <laughs> Wala na ibang Congress. Unless you do a new congressional election. Ay madugo yun, no? Uh, that's another alternative. The armed forces can say, oh, sige, uh, let's have a new congressional election para we can have the constitutional changes. Madugo yun, saka matagal yun. I don't know whether this group can uh, sustain that. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Astillero, I would like to add to what you had said. Uh, remember that it was also been uh, uh, introduced to Congress about the changing of the Constitution, but until now, they haven't reached the uh, proper uh, decision. Now, as far as uh, what you say that uh, the military and etcetera, etcetera, is concerned, going to Omelette, what we, what the group is uh, intending into is the military has to, uh, uh, what you call this, has to go with the people, then ask the commission and audit to audit the Omelette, and after that. If the COMELEC is already in proper and in order, that's the time that we have to conduct election. So I think that is very clear. It was explained by uh, Professor Hill Ramos that uh, we should not twist what we intend into. But the main purpose and objective of this group has to be focus. Uh, Professor uh, Hill, may, say something. May I, may I, uh, Ben, Ben? Okay, okay. Because uh, once you initiate, once we, our group, initiate uh, a change in governance by adopting the 1899 Constitution, you've got to follow through by governance. Now, governance is done by a political party. Now, let me share you the experience of Indonesia. In 1965, there was a revolution in Indonesia and one million people died, both sides, you know, left and right. Nando si Sukarno, nando si Suharto. Ang nanalo, si Sukarno. And Sukarno had a political party composed mainly of the military. So, kaya natanda ko yun, no? Yung partido ni Sukarno ay military. And after natalo niya si Sukarno, yung political party niya took over the government and did all the necessary things to legitimize itself. And they ruled for decades, I think, until the daughter of Sukarno won the elections. So nawala na sila. Pero Ang ano leksyon ng Indonesia, nagkaroon ng revolution, maraming namatay, but we will not go into that. Di tayo magkaka-revolusyon para walang namatay. But there is a political, successor political party who must handle the reins of government. Hindi pwedeng pabayaan, ganun lang. Yun ang sinasabi ko rito. So kung yung, kung makukumbisi natin ng military, to be with us and do the changes, they must be part of our political party. At tayo, we must have a political party 
ready to assume governance. So, thank you very much. Okay, so, uh, masagot ko yan that uh, iba rin ang konstitusyon ng Indonesia kaysa konstitusyon natin. In our case, based on 1987 constitution, uh, sovereignty reside in the people. And all government officials' power emanate from the people. So what we are uh, what we are pushing right now is to ask Duterte to be with our principle of adopting the 1899 Constitution. Now, if ever he does not want, so that's the time that we have to ask the option of the military in order to protect the people by the abuse of Constitution of 1987 Constitution by the sitting government at present. Tama, ang point ko, that's, that's good, that's correct. No? Uh, what we're saying is uh, we, are, we want these changes, constitutional changes actually, because we represent the people. You see? But do we? Okay, uh, that's, uh, put that aside. Let us assume that they will believe we represent the people. Although I would believe Geoffrey Balse better na you go through a signature campaign, etc., and get a million signatures to really say that we represent the people. But that's beside the point. Ang akin lang, the use of the military to effect changes is good. It's uh, reasonable. Basta peacefully, ah, walang, walang mamatay. But after the change is done, there must be a governing party, political party yun. If you do not think ahead of the governance part after the change in constitution, hilaw. Mahihilaw tayo. So I suggest that this group starts thinking, well, what happens if the constitution is changed? From 1987 to 1899. So, magkakaroon ba ng election? Eh, sino Professor Hill? Yes, uh, uh, that is a point well taken. And I can assure you, um, uh, Mr. Astellero, that the points you have uh, raised are already being attended to. There is a political party that is uh, organized. There are many things that are being organized. Um, there are linkages being organized to different groups and uh, that exists. And we have uh, organized a parliament of the web and a shadow government on the web to be able to monitor existing governance and to be able to replace policies with actual uh, uh, prescriptions for change. Because this thing is not just uh, something that happened here. What you're seeing now as a shadow Congress being convened, which is a small group discussing this 1899 movement, has actually been in, in, in the organizational stages since the uh, advent of uh, Duterte's presidency in 2016. So we are already about three to four years into the process of doing these things. And there are many groups already being mobilized, not only to criticize, and, uh, but also to prescribe. And there are many groups that are experienced in government who are also with us. And so um, I would invite you to 
join formally the uh, Parliament of the Web, this Shadow Congress. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube page. We have uh, also different uh, uh, pages in Facebook and uh, chat groups in Facebook. And so it is active and it is in a process of uh, building research and documentation. And it's in a process of sharing data through Google Drive, uh, shared drives, and uh, that is uh, being done. Uh, your suggestions are well taken and that is being done. But uh, Ben, uh, Sunny Domingo wanted to talk, but uh, please recognize him. He okay. wants to present something as a point of privilege. Okay, Sunny Domingo is recognized. Can you please uh, unmute your uh, video? Mr. Sunny Domingo, you are recognized. Please unmute your audio. Ah, Maybe he's not listening right now, so you just uh, open the floor to anybody so else who would like anybody, to. Anybody in this group who can say something? Melo Goldate? Melo yes. Okay, uh, yes, the uh, the one million uh, like uh, campaign, if you may call it that way, should be part of the referendum process because the referendum process constitutionally legally requires a certain number of uh, majority that we, what that will carry through so if you say one is your campaign for a 1 million likes or comments favoring the change of government that will not be effective and legal and constitutional so it should be part of the plebiscite order or referendum order so it's not a popularity vote to change the system should be according to the requisites of a plebiscite and a referendum that can has the uh, lawful power to let President Duterte implement it. Otherwise, if it's just a mere uh, votation or liking, collecting opinions for one million likes, it's not going to be the, the effective and legal and constitutional process. That's all I can say. So, but nevertheless, be assured that everything, if it comes to a point where there is a constitutional crisis, we will go to the Supreme Court. But we will never, never to go to Congress because Congress is part of the problem. They're part of the present system. How can you tell them to say, hey, we want this? And they will say, how can we possibly do that? You want us to change ourselves? They cannot abolish themselves. So they're not part of the process. Okay, so Mr. Sunny Domingo, um, can you hear me? Milo 8, Milo Gold 8. Felma Responde, Jingle. Can anybody say something? I can. Uh... <coughs> 
Okay, you are going nice, sir, Professor. Point of clarification. Hello, yeah, can you hear me? No, yeah, yeah. Sunny okay. Domingo now. Sunny Domingo is now recognized. Hello? Yes, you are recognized. Mr. Domingo, you are recognized. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Yeah, loud and clear. Yeah, can you go hear ahead? Me now? Oh, no. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, I think the discussion uh, uh, is uh, going around. Maybe we should uh, discuss uh, some strategies. And I, I agree to the last comment that we should go through the constitutional process. Pwede mo bang magtagalog? Kailangan bang English pala? Okay, pwede, pwede. 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 Pwede mo ba na i-assume na natin sa tagal-tagal ng panahon, eh ayaw gawin ni Duterte. At uh, ang military, hindi rin gagalaw kung hindi gagalaw si President Duterte. Dahil baka nga nagpalit na rin ang ihip ng hangin, uh, may pakinabang sila sa si status ko. And then itong movement natin to change the constitution, uh, para bang uh, baka tingin nila, eh, mag-change the constitution, pero kung si Duterte, ang magmando ng palit ng constitution, eh, ibig sabihin, wala rin palit ang gobyerno. Nandyan pa rin yung mga problema na sinasabi ni Hill. Unang-una, nandyan pa rin ang comrade or whatever. So, if I may suggest, can we open the discussion towards strategizing how to do a plebiscite? Uh, like, for example, eh, di pitikin na natin yung Uh, present constitution na palitan ng pangalan ng Pilipinas uh, o hindi eh, mag-open na tayo mag-open up na tayo ng discussion para dadami ang sasali sa atin ang uh, movement na palitan ng pangalan sa Pilipinas palitan na rin ng constitution palibalik doon sa 1899 so whichever comes out I think uh, we can get more people to participate On, uh, on on expanding the, the uh, our uh, objective to changing the constitution to first changing the name kasi yung pangalan natin pinakamabaho sa buong mundo pag nasa uh, America ka ang tabi nila flips flips ano ba sa flips pinagbabalik na tayo eh, nasa Europe ka, eh, Pinay, made tayo. Eh, nasa Japan ka, Japayuki tayo. Anong kasing pangalan yung Pilipinas? Unang-una, tayo na lang hindi ang palit ng pangalan. Lahat ng mga bansa katabi na tayo, yung Siam, naging Thailand. Uh, example lang yun. And then also, to join the discussion, I don't think we can follow the model of Indonesia. And, the, and follow the model of Myanmar. Tingnan niya, nagtaroon ng parliament. Pero nandyan, kadamihan ng military. Sa pal Nawala, wala, wala ka. Mr. Sunny Domingo, nawala ka. Tingnan ko. Referendum to change 
in the name will open the minds of the people to study the difference between the old constitution and the new constitution. So, yan lang po ang akin. Thank you. Ang uh, maganda rin na suggestion niya na if we have to conduct a referendum, isabayan na natin ito ang pagpalit ng pangalan. 1899 Constitution and Changing the Philippines to Marlika. Mr. Milo Goldate, can you say something? About the Constitution, dahil nung isang araw, Constitution ang pinag-uusapan ninyo. Milo Goldate, can you unmute your audio? Ben, may I say something? Okay, Mr. Atelier, or you are recognized. Ang strategy na isinasagyan ni ng last speakers ay referendum, referendum. Ang ibig sabihin ng referendum, merong aaprubahan ng mga tao. So, ang strategy ba natin, Iaharap natin yung 1899 Constitution at yung pagpapalit ng pangalan for referendum. Yung bang 1899 Constitution, maligayang maligaya na ba tayo doon? Nabasom na ba natin mabuti yun? Kasi pagkaka-referendum at inaprobahan yung 1899, yun na ang Constitution natin. And we left to use that. No? Sa ngayon, ang ginagamit natin, 1987. So, I just want to clarify that. Ano ba, maligaya na ba tayo sa 1899 Constitution? Well, yung pagpapalit ng pangalan, may in favor ako doon, maharlika, okay lang. Pero yung referendum will approve a new Constitution, yung 1899. Napag-aralan na ba natin yun? Yun ang tanong ko. Thank you, thank you. Sa mga nakarinig, ito lang akin masabi na ang 1899 Constitution is composed of 101 article. So, siguro, pwede ninyo i-google yan at alamin kung ano ang nilalaman ng 1899 Constitution in contrast to 18, oh, to 1987 Constitution, which are now being abused by the sitting government officials. Okay, uh, Mr. Sani Domingo, can you add something for that? Anybody could say something? Hello, okay. Narinig ko nyo ako? Okay, may suggestion ako na magandang pangalan. Kasi bago si Magellan at bago si MacArthur, we were a free country. In fact, we were an archipelago with several tribes. Its island was free among itself. And there was no way we can have a civil war because we had to cross the ocean. So, ang maganda lang na nangyari, parang pinag-isa tayo except yung Muslim area. Ngayon, balikan natin, dapat, ano ba tayo talaga noon? We were trading with the Chinese as a free country. So, ano sa Tagalog ang free country? Ang free country sa Tagalog ay malayang bansa o malayang nasyon. Eh, may mga nagsasabi ng Maharlika, identified kay Marcos yan, baka mahirapan tayo. Pero yung Republika ng Malaya, Republika ng Malaya, eh sinong mag-aayon na matawagan na ikaw ay Malaya? Ikaw ay Malayan. Ikaw, you are a free uh, citizen 
of the world. If kung gusto niyo ng world championship na tayo, dahil we are everywhere, including Alaska. So, uh, paragay ko, palitan nun natin ang strategy natin to have an open discussion instead of uh, trying to move the country to have a referendum to change the name by whatever constitution we can use. Then, uh, if you follow the uh, strategy of war, we can we find we try to find ourselves in the high ground, have a good uh, tie up with uh, several coalition with several leading parties uh, to now move the uh, military uh, to declare uh, that the constitution that they would like to follow is the Malolos constitution instead of the EDSA constitution or the U.S. constitution or the Marcos constitution. Lagyan na natin ng pangalan mga yan. Yung constitution natin ngayon, EDSA. Galing tayo kay Marcos. Pagkatapos, galing tayo sa Amerika. Eh, balik tayo sa Pilipino. Yun lang po ng akin. Okay. Jingle. Jingle, can, can you hear me? Can you say something? Jingle. Yes, Jingle, good morning po sa lahat. You, you are recognized. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sir, Sir Ben. Um, good morning sa lahat din. May tatanong lang ako. <laughs> Nagalag-taglish na lang ako. Um, if we do at the same time yung uh, tawag yun, yung transition of 1887 to 1899 at the same time changing of our country's name, pwede ba yun? Hindi ba yung mag masyadong conflict or masyadong maraming proseso? Kasi have to take which, which problem first, then before we, siguro naman yung mga changing of name naman is pwede naman to follow naman yan. As long as ang first uh, solution munang gawin natin is yung uh, sagot doon sa main problem natin ngayon na which is very, very <laughs> super, super komunoy na yung bansa natin. So siguro we have to take the, um, the major solution muna doon sa main problem natin. That's all. Thank you. Okay. okay. I think uh, I want to recognize. Na 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 nabanggit lang kasi na yung Marlika. Yeah, yeah. Professor Ramos, we are recognized. Uh, that's uh, good. Uh, the uh, suggestion of Jingle uh, uh, is good. Focus on the main problem. Because if we uh, try to carry a lot of baggage in our fight. Uh, baka mas uh, marami tayong resistance na uh, masalubong. At saka baka ma-divert tayo from the direction of the main blow, ika nga, yung talagang main focus natin. As uh, in my point of privilege, I have defined the main problem as oligarchic control of the country, elitist control of the country, wherein they have controlled even the process of selecting our leaders, in an oligarchic loop that I have presented to you carefully. And I have also shown the levers of power that they're using in the COMELEC because of the COMELEC cheating syndicates that is the unintended effect of creating a constitutional commission independent of anybody. So we have a situation wherein the COMELEC conducts the elections 
And if we have uh, questions about the elections, the Comelec also investigates our questions about the elections. Bantay salakay. A situation that is inbred, which is not correct. Other best practices is that elections are conducted by ordinary institutions. And if uh, some infraction happens because of some illegalities or violations, they are not immune from prosecution and they can be jailed anytime. That's the situation in the United States, that's the situation in the United Kingdom. These countries do not have a constitutional comelec. I think only India has a constitutional comelec like ours. But even then, because of the parliamentary structure of India, they are not immune from prosecution. So they can be prosecuted at the state level because they conduct elections by state. So what I'm trying to say is this. Ang kalaban natin ngayon ay ang oligarchy control ng ating bansa. Kaya tayo nagpo-propose ng uh, pag-adapt ng 1899 Constitution kasi isa yun sa mapayapang paraan para masupil itong mga oligarkong ito. Para mahinto ang tanggalang kontrol ng Comelec kasi maabolis ang Comelec. May hinto yung mga political dynasties na naglipana dyan sa ating kongreso at sa senado dahil sa mahihinto yung senado niyan. May hinto yung uh, mga legislative groups na yan na makontrol ng mga political dynasties. At saka yung sinasabi ni tina, tinasabi kanina, mga bigyan ko ng pansin yung sinabi kanina ni uh, Mr. Astelliero, kung napag-aralan na ba natin ang Constitution? Napag-aralan natin yan, marami nag-aralan yan, hindi lahat siguro. At saka ang sinasabi natin, we are using that as a reset button. Hindi porke ina-adapt natin yung 1899 Constitution na yung, kung anong nandun yung susundin natin. Pagsabay sa pag-adapt niyan, ay kasama na ang retrofitting process. Ngayon pa lang, meron tayong Committee on Amendments na sinasabi ba natin, i-retrofit ba natin, gagamitin ba natin yung mga suggestion ng uh, bayanihan constitution, gagamitin ba natin yung mga ibang mga magagandang uh, panukala sa 1987 constitution na hindi naman ginawa, na binaliktad lang ng mga tao na kaupo later. Halimbawa, yung political dynasty provision ng uh, Uh, bayanihan Constitution, pwede natin i-adopt yun sa 1899 Constitution as an amendment. Ang 1776 Constitution or 1789 Constitution ng United States kasi sila ay naging, sila ay naging uh, independiente noong 1776, July 4. Pero yung kanilang Constitution na ratify lang ng 13 states nila noong 1789. Yung kanilang 1789 Constitution na yan ay nagkaroon na ngayon ng mga 32 susong 32 amendments. 27 amendments of this have already been ratified by all the 50 states of the uh, United States. <coughs> And also, <coughs> that is also the pattern that we can adapt <coughs> and do for the 1899 Constitution. We can retrofit it and make it a modern Constitution for our immediate use. Hindi tayo bumabalik sa past. We are using the past to build the future. And we're using the past just to create a legal interregnum so that a peaceful way can be used to bring about revolutionary change. Yun lang. Thank you.
clarification lang ito. Nabanggit ko kanina itong Maharlika dahil nabanggit ang referendum. Kaya ang puwent ko doon, ang puwent ko doon, na to reduce more expenses in the referendum is a buy. Pero I am not really posing the changing of name. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Asilero, you are all nice. Okay, ah, Uh, yung palang 1899 Constitution ay hindi i-adapt per se as written. Marami tayong ilalagay pa ron. Ang suggestion po, why don't we call a constitutional convention to draft the modern version of the 1899 Constitution na gusto natin, na gusto natin ibigay for a referendum? Kailangan may constitutional convention tayo para ma-plancha na yung mga provisions ng 1899 Constitution. Lalagay pa yung mga provision yata ng American Constitution. O, tama yun. At ilalagay pa rin yung mga iba. O yun, ah, magkaroon muna ng constitutional convention. Ah, pwede rin ma-online yun eh. Para lang ma-draft yung ire-referendum. Kasi... Medyo careful ako sa referendum kasi pagka iniharap mo rin yung isang bagay at in-approve yun, eh yun na. So magka-constitutional convention muna tayo. Yun ang suggestion ko. Thank you. Okay, so Mr. Hill Ramos. Professor Hill, you are going nice. Those things can be done. Within the 1899 Constitution, we can already call an elections for a convention in the 1899 Constitution. Immediately upon, uh, this is how the transition will happen, so that people can understand. I, I want one path to transition. Once the military says we, not, we are now under the 1899 Constitution, immediately the Supreme Court will be asked, are you pledging allegiance to the 1899 Constitution? Supreme Court members who will pledge allegiance will not continue in the Supreme Court for life. But they are now pledged to the 89 Members of Congress who are now there, senators, you'll have the senator, Mr. Senator. There is no Senate in the 1899 Constitution. But if you pledge allegiance to the 1899 Constitution, you will continue as a legislator under the you are at once a member of parliament. Okay, so there is no constitutional comment. This will also be done for the members of Congress. Members sila kagad ng parliament. Now, yung mga executive departments, everything will remain in place kasi merong lemesarab or adaptability clause, section 24 of the 1899 Constitution, which were in the existing structures of municipal law meaning kasi municipal law, domestic law that is followed by the country within its boundaries, will remain in place until change. So walang pagbabago. Pag-shift natin sa 1899 Constitution, ang immediate lang na matatanggal ay ang COMELEC kasi wala namang COMELEC. The 2022 elections can proceed as is. Pagkatapos itong mga adjustment na ito, at doon sa 2022 elections, yan ay supervised na ngayon, ng military at saka ng Supreme Court. Wala na yung kumamalik eh. So a certain provision will be made, whatever it is, one of them can be a joint uh, 
supervising committee of the uh, Supreme Court and a combatant mm -hmm. and, the, and the military to supervise the elections. So itong mga prosesong pagbabago, direct to fitting process, can already happen. Ang nangyayari, we are setting back to our will, to our free sovereign will of 1899 and proceeding from there to put in the necessary changes on a more permanent basis. And this can be done by the existing Congress. The way the uh, U.S. Congress does it, they create a subject-by-subject -subject, uh, amendment and each amendment is subject to ratification in plebiscite para hindi ma-confuse ang tao. Walang, uh, walang uh, shotgun approval. Isa-isa. Kaya sila ngayon mayroong 32 amendments na propose, 27 pa lang ang adopt ng lahat ng states ng United States. That is what can happen to us. But ang proseso is that we start here. Kasi kung hindi, saan tayo magsisimula? There must be a point of origin. That is the way we can do this. This is just uh, my suggestions in terms of decision recommendations. At the moment, Professor Hill is still explaining. Yes. So, so uh, what I'm saying is that these uh, things that I am suggesting are just one of the suggestions. Right now, the purpose of this group is also to analyze and discuss those uh, transition strategies to make sure the primordial concern is that we do this in the most uh, peaceful manner para hindi tayo ma magkaroon ng violenting proseso. And that is what we want to do. Thank you. Okay, um, Mr. Sunny Domingo, you are recognized. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I agree to Professor Hill's uh, concern and observations. Uh, so the discussion is going back to to the Constitution, present Constitution itself. Uh, so may I make another suggestion? Kung ang problema po pala eh, ang kumilik under the present Constitution, eh, bakit hindi na lang tayo maglabi po na maglagay, maglagay ng bagong batas? na iabolish na ang COMELEC under the present constitution at i-correct natin ang system of election. So yung suggestion ko is a barangay election approach. Yung barangay election with uh, its own uh, election council will among will now select the best barangay leader to become the chairman. And then yung mga chairman ng mga barangay ng isang bayan, kung dalawang po yan, will uh, elect from among them their peers to be who will be mayor. So wala na yung wala na yung kalokohan na politika na pinagkagastusan ng mayor na million-million. Yung mga mayor naman ngayon, isang probinsya, eh sila naman ngayon ang mamili, with recall, ang maging governor. Ganon din yung sa mayor may recall. Eh, well, everybody including Brangie Chairman. So ngayon, yung mga governor will now elect their own regional kung mag-federalize na tayo yung regional kon nila uh, parang regional governor na and uh, and onwards to uh, electing who could be our president eh yun wala na ho yung mga concern na ni professor Hill eh siguro tumbukin na lang natin ang problema ay ang COMELEC eh, yung COMELEC po ang babarilin natin uh, sa present situation Eh, kung hindi pa rin magawa yun, then, uh, then uh, let's uh, 
continue with our one with our movement for a changing constitution by whatever means. Eh, ngayon ang pisis uh, ang biyago dun kay Professor Hill na this is the only way to be peaceful. The problem is 300 of that uh, 100 million Filipinos, 30 percent do not really know how to vote because they were malnourished. Uh, we in the world, we are the most malnourished country. Uh, we are three out of ten is malnourished. How can a malnourished vote the right leader? Ah, uh, kung problem problema ko minsan sa barangay na nga, nananalo pa yung wala. Ah, uh, dahil yung mga tao, eh, hindi nila kini-consider yung yung uh, qualities and and uh, capabilities of the leader needed. So, marami tayong barangay na nanalo yung walang trabaho, pero may pera siya. Ngayon, i-correct na rin natin yun. Yun lang po. Thank you. Can I recognize? Okay, uh, Professor Hill, you recognize. The uh, suggestion that you said uh, does not uh, take note of the fact that to be able to do something with the Commonwealth, you need to change the Constitution. It cannot be done by Congressional law. The Constitution protects the Commonwealth. It is a constitutional body. Only a constitutional uh, no. change can affect the Commonwealth. That is uh, okay. why we are asking for a return to the 1899 uh -huh. Constitution as a triggering factor because it immediately abolishes the Commonwealth in one fell swoop. And it also abolishes uh, the Congress, which is not dominated by political dynasties. And therefore, we can have a good reset button once we go back to the 1899 Constitution. And in that 1899 Constitution, there are provisions for elections. We will follow that. And the election process, uh, it will be a hybrid of the existing election uh, laws, municipal laws and elections, will be conducted by the military and the Supreme Court, who are now pledged in terms of allegiance to the 1899 Constitution. That is one of the transition scenarios that we have to do. Thank you. Okay. So, anybody in the group can say something? Uh, may I say something? Ben? Yeah. Agree po ako doon. Mr. Astillero, you are recognized. Yung point na to, to remove the COMELEC, which is a constitutional body, means uh, adapting a new constitution, pwede namang i-amend ang existing constitution, if you like, no? And Congress is the body authorized to amend the present constitution. Ang issue sa COMELEC ay constitutional body ito. Kaya hindi pwedeng pakialaman. Sa India, ang COMELEC hindi constitutional body. It's part of the executive. Kaya pwedeng pakialaman. So, yun lang ang amendment na kailangan natin sa Congress. I-amend yung 1987 Constitution. Ang COMELEC ay hindi constitutional body. Part of the executive body. O, yun lang. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, anybody can say something? Yes. Yes, Mr. Speaker. 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 Yes, Mr.
Good, good morning. May iba po ako. I watched the constitutional volcano video presentation by Hiramus po kanina. Why it didn't happen last year po? Itong... Yung, yung 2020 vision. Ito ko sa yung video po kanina. Then what do you mean? What is your point? Yung constitutional vision. Yung presentation po sa, sa PowerPoint po kanina. Yung, yung video po. Yes, can you clarify what is, the, what is your point? I'm saying is that Mabukasing Vision 2020 in the video in the video po that's shown a while earlier sa presentation Okay In the last slide So ano ang gusto mo ipahiwatig? Yung ano po yung kung bakit ano po hindi po nangyari yung ano yung 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 constitutional volcano yung gagawin ng 1899 yung 2020 nung last year po you mean to say na igawin natin ang nakalagay doon sa sa slide apo yung ang pinag-uusapan dito ang pinag-uusapan dito ay kung paano natin maitinok ang ating sistema sa eleksyon using the COMELEC. Now, pinag-usapan din na amindahan ang ano, ilipat natin sa 1899 Constitution para magiging legal ang gagawin natin doon sa sistema ng ating eleksyon. Okay, yan. Please clarify your point. Yeah. Clarify your point. Clarify your point. Kasi po sa video, yung isit yung constitutional principle kaya no, yung isit a plan po, yung plan. Ah, Professor Hill, can you please ah can you act on the question of Gian Bibiano, Professor Hill? Can you please act on the question of Gian Bibiano? Okay. The, the, uh, Gian, that presentation was only to highlight uh, what we can do in the 1899 Constitution. That is not an official program to be followed by a body. It is a process of educating the people about what can be done. So those things can just be seen as proposals. Wala tayong uh, commitment doon, wala tayong resolution na ginagawa natin ang mga nandoon. Yun ay para matulungan ang mga uh, kapwa natin mamamayan na maintindihan kung bakit tayo bumabalik sa 1899 Constitution. Yung mga kondon uh, ay mga yun ay yung bidyong yan ay ginawa pa noong uh, I think uh, two years ago. Uh, in-adapt ko lang yung karamihan doon kasi karamihan naman ay adapt sa atin at wala namang mali. Kaya lang sinasabi mo na dapat na-implementa na yun, ayun ay uh, ginawa nila Melcher Magdamo noong pang 2 years ago 
at hindi pa nila in-update yan ngayon. Pero yun ay hindi isang directive to be implemented. It is an educational presentation to make you understand why we need to go to the 1899 Constitution. So does that answer uh, your query, Mr. Gian? Yes, yes, po, sir. I mean, does does the explanation answer your uh, query? Yes, it's clear. Okay. Recognize, Mr. Jingle, Mr. Speaker. Jingle would like to. Jingle, can you recognize? Yes, Mr. Chair. Um, yes, you recognize. I just want to give first response to Mr. the previous speaker before Mr. Gian uh, uh, regarding amendments of uh, 1987 Constitution if the problem is only Comelec. So I will cite our problems in the present. It's not only Comelec that we have now. Uh, first, we have health uh, martial law, medical martial law that uh, some people said. Then next, we have this uh, Comelec problem. It's because of that uh, Smartmatic. Then, uh, aside from that, we still have um, public utilities that are uh, concerned of other groups. Then, we also have federalism that pushed by other groups. That's why they wanted the revolutionary government. So, this, uh, by, by the, those problems, the, this, the way I understand uh, trans, that the transition of the constitution from 1987 to 1989 is the only one solution for that multiple problems that we have in the present. So if we only amend the same constitution, what will happen? Just like what uh, Sir Susada said, eh, the contamination, contamination is still there. So it will keep contaminating and contaminating more and more in the, in the of future. So if we adapt the whole system, like what Professor uh, Hill said, that uh, reset button, if we reset the whole system, it's like uh, buying a new appliances, throwing away an old one, is uh, like we start over again. Pero siyempre, and dun yung amendments, after after the future, siguro yun na, you follow yung ano, kasi it's like, uh, uh, using one wallet into multiple birds. That's all. Hope I explain it clear. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Jingle. Anyone? Anyone? Does something? Okay. Attorney Pusadas, you recognize? Okay. The uh, COMELEC is only an agency and it's an independent constitutional body in the current constitution. When you change completely the current constitution, into the 1899 constitution, then necessarily, automatically, COMELEC as an agency will be abolished. It doesn't mean that the elections for 2022 will not proceed. There will be a new agency to replace COMELEC. When you replace COMELEC, so goes Smartmatic too. So it will be entirely a new system of administration to conduct the elections. And most probably, during the transition, there will be a decree by the Prime Minister, it can be President Duterte or somebody else, can decree a new agency to conduct the elections with the, uh, most probably, uh, the uh, supervision of the uh, Supreme Court 
and the military to enforce the rules and regulations accordingly uh, by the new agency. And for all you know, the temporary agency will be the Supreme Court to conduct the 2022 uh, elections. It doesn't mean that when you abolish the agency in the current constitution, that there will be no more elections because COMELEC is just an agency. So therefore, completely disregard COMELEC when we change or shift into the 1899 constitution, but we will still proceed with the elections. Okay, thank you, uh, Attorney Posadas. Anybody can say something? Uh, ben, Ben, pwede? Yes, Mr. Siero, you are recognized. Yung 1899 Constitution is a parliamentary form of government. May prime minister kasi. Correct. So, today, we don't have parliamentary. We have a Republican, centralized Republican headed by president and his cabinet. And Congress, the policymaking is separate from the president and the Supreme Court separate. Uh, Republican yan. No? Pag nag-parliamentary tayo, we're completely changing the system of governance uh, from Republican to parliamentary. Ibig sabihin, mag-ilig ng mga members of parliament, which are actually our congressmen. There are 300 of them yata ngayon. And then this congressman will elect a prime minister and the prime minister will suggest his cabinet, yung mga ministers niya, from among the prime members of parliament or congressmen. Ganun ang mangyayari. Ngayon, ang isang issue na nire-raise ang group na ito ay corruption. Ang tanong ko, will corruption be less with a change of form of government? Kasi ang corruption ay, well, part of it is due to the form of government when it's very loose or highly centralized, no? Uh, ngayon, kung parliamentary, baka nga less kasi you can question the policies and implementation policies during the session of parliament by a no-confidence vote, no? So, mako-question mo yun. Uh, niya lang, siyempre mga politiko, knowing who they are, they protect each other, no? Kaya ewan ko kung masosolve natin completely ang corruption. Siguro we can reduce it, but not completely eliminate it. So, the, ang point ko, changing the form of government does not solve corruption. It solves uh, something else, no? It solves representation, transparency, and accountability, but not corruption. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Asilero, kung na ako ang masunod tungkol sa isyo ng corruption, kung ako ang masunod, regardless what form of government we have, dahil wala tayong death penalty ngayon, so, ang suggestion ko dyan ay for every 1 million na nakurap ng isang public officials, isang daliri ang paputulin, at more than 10 million ang kanyang manakaw, 
pen. Ulo, para hindi ka makaulit. So yan ang kasagutan sa corruption. I think there is no other way to stop corruption unless pugutan mo ng ulo ang uh, mga corruption. Tama okay. na. Ay, I appreciate that, Ben. Thank you very much. That's okay, good. Konting, konting uh, paliwanag pa. Okay, attorney Posada. Yung, uh, yung corruption is like a crime. And also, the campaign against drugs. Merong difference between eradication, neutralization, and control. At the very least, sa bagong system, manu-neutralize yung panibagong umpisa ng corruption. Pero, in so far as eradication is concerned, there is no form in the world, in a government, na completely walang corruption. Meaning, eradicate completely ang corruption. Just like the war against drugs, you cannot completely eradicate it. You can only control and neutralize it or reduce it. Kasi may panibagong, may panibagong system na ngayon na very transparent, na magkakahalata ang kagad, na hindi pwede because it's not centralized. At makokonfront kagad sa parliament. Kasi yung prime minister, yun ang parang presidente, yun ang parang executive uh, officer ng ng government. Kung meron siyang ginagawa o kanyang cabinet kagad, yung mga cabinet <coughs> members ng parliament, mako-confront sila kagad doon, mahalata sila. They have to be responsibly uh, responsive to all questions and order for for them to clarify whatever seems to be a starting corruption. <coughs> so, there will be no eradication of corruption or eradication of crime. We can only reduce and completely reset the ground rules for a government system. Na bago makatulong ng corruption dyan, mahahalata na, magiging transparent na from the beginning by the members of the parliament themselves and ministers and by the prime minister. Okay, thank you, Attorney Posadas. Anybody can say something? Yes, I would like to have the call. Yeah, uh, Mr. Ramos, you are recognized. Professor Hill. Anybody can say something? Uh, may say something, Ben. Okay, Mr. Salieros, you are recognized. I support the last statement. Sino ba si Attorney Attorney Posadas. Ah, okay. Sabi. Tama siya. Ang parliamentary form is more adaptable to check abuse and corruption. Kasi during the parliamentary session, halimbawa, Merong session three times a week, halimbawa. Anybody can rise and question. Merong question hour eh. Ang prime minister at yung mga ibang ministro. Uh, pwede niyang erase yung corruption issue or abuse issue, accountability, etc. doon. At dapat siyang sagutin nung tatanungin niya. So, more open. Hindi katulad ngayon, our politicians occupy positions 
with a fixed term. At bago mo sila matagdal doon, ay napakahirap. Impeachment or you file a case in court, etc., etc. Doon sa parliamentary, tuwing may session, <coughs> pwede mong questionin yung nakaupo. At kung pangit yung sagot niya, ay sasabihin mo sa kanya, ay, no confidence vote, mag-resign ka na. Yan, pwede yun sa parliamentary. Dito sa Republican, hindi pwede yun. So, yun yung advantage ng 1899 Constitution, parliamentary yun. So, thank you very much. Okay. Okay, Attorney Posada, siya recognize. Yes, okay. Thank you, Mr. Tilero. At saka, tamang-tama yung sinabi nyo, sapagkat uh, sa parliamentary system of government, magkakahalatan kagad at directly maka-question yung mga policies at mga ginagawa ng mga cabinet ministers because yung mga cabinet ministers are members of the parliament themselves at saka ngayon ang mangyayari niyan yung uh, yung uh, yung mga questions nila eh pwedeng uh, ma-control kagad hindi na basta-basta makakalusot at saka it doesn't mean too na nag-change tayo ng completely ng, ng into parliamentary uh, system of government. Hindi ibig sabihin na yung mga current uh, criminal charges ngayon, yung mga current corruption ngayon, nakakalimutan natin, hindi, itutuloy yan. Magkakaroon ng transition na commission na magpo-prosecute na mga yan para leksyon sa mga, well, in a way, it will be a, 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 a correction and justification for continuing the uh, the the uh, the charges against these uh, uh, criminal elements and the present corruption hindi papababayaan yan tuloy na ipo-prosecute yan para malinisan completely in, into a new ground rules of uh, governance system just a point of clarification uh, okay you uh, recognize uh, professor hill ramos yeah, the uh, suggestions of uh, Mr. Astillero are uh, very uh, potent and uh, quite relevant. But I just would like to clarify that the distinction is not between parliamentary and republican. A republic can also be a parliament. The distinction is between a parliamentary system and a presidential system as far as the executive power is uh, organized. Correct. In the presidential system, the cabinet is uh, controlled by the president and it is coterminous with the term of the president. In a parliamentary system, the cabinet is controlled by the prime minister and uh, it is only coterminous with the prime minister up to the point where they have the confidence of the people. That is why the point raised by Mr. Astillero is that once no confidence is uh, becomes apparent, that government of the prime minister falls. But even if the government of the prime minister falls, the president remains in office because the president in the French parliamentary system is elected for a fixed term. He's the one who will abolish the Congress or the parliament and call for new elections every time uh, there is a problem. So the president will also be the transitory power every time a government falls so that the transition between one government to another under a parliament will be stable and smooth. That is the purpose of a presidential parliamentary form. 
our uh, our 1899 constitution is like that and our what we call provincial departments are big uh, geographic administrative areas that have the power to tax on their own so that is like a federal state at that uh, at that time we only have very few major provinces like the Panay is one whole province uh, Negros is one whole province and uh, Guam is another province the Marianas is another province Palau is another province these territories were under what were called provincial departments in a similar fashion once we adopt the 1999 constitution the remaining uh, jurisdiction that was left to us by the Americans because they cannibalized most of the territories that were formerly under the control of Spain, will now follow this big provincial department. This time we'll be calling them separate states. <clears throat> so that way, we will have a federal parliamentary system. The president can be elected immediately in the 2022 elections. There is no barring that because that will just be the first election. And after that, depending on how long this government can be able to form a coalition to have an executive group and the legislative group working together, then there may be a next election right after one month because the government has already fallen. This way, we can have a, a peaceful way para ibagsak ang mga gobyerno na ayaw na natin. Hindi kailangan maghintay ng uh, six years, hindi kailangan maghintay ng three years. Pag wala na tayong confidence sa mga parliament na yan, members, na gumagawa ng combined executive at saka legislative agenda, kasi combined yan eh, sa parliament, combined ang legislative and executive power under the parliament. Ang separate power lang yung judiciary. Sa presidential system, separate ang tatlo. Yung uh, executive, yung legislative, at saka yung judiciary. Sa parliament, hindi. Magkasama yan. Ang dalawa. Ang isa separate, yung judiciary. Kaya mas maganda na para sa ating, uh, sa bansa natin, na magkaroon tayo, ma-adapt natin yung parliamentary system at yan ay nakatalaga na. Nandun na yan sa ating 1899 Constitution. Okay. Milagros Dantay, you are recognized. Milagros Dantay, you are recognized. Are you, can you hear me? Ms. Milagros Dantay? Yes, I'm Milagros Dantay. Okay, you are recognized. I cannot speak to uh, next time. Now I, I cannot speak. Next time. Okay. So anybody, anybody can say something. Milo Goldaid, can you say something about the Constitution? Okay. He's not saying anything. Hindi ko po kasi nag-gets. Hindi ko po nag-gets. Ka-open ko lang. Hindi ko po nakuha. Kaya hindi ko po naintindihan yung topic. Okay. Opo. Next time lang po. Kasi hindi ko pa na makinig lang muna. Okay. Salamat. Professor Hill Ramos, you are recognized. Well, I think uh, the people have not spoken here is uh, Melo and also Vilma Riponte. Maybe uh, Diane would like to talk also. And for the information of uh, Milagros, this group is uh, 
1899 uh, Congress uh, revived following the conventions of the 1899 Congress, and we want to bring about the, uh, the hibernation of the 1899 Constitution as a way to uh, control, as a way to uh, govern the country right now. Yan ang main topic natin dito sa ating uh, Congress. Kaya plenary session ang tawag natin. We uh, address each other indirectly by talking to the speaker. So, Mr. Yes. Speaker, I would like to say a few things which yes, relate right. to uh, our purpose of trying to uh, propagate this uh, Congress is that uh, we have talked about uh, us continuing uh, this uh, weekly Congress and we have uh, meetings every, su every Saturday morning from 8 uh, a.m. to uh, 12 uh, a.m., 12 noon. So uh, we, uh, the suggestion of people is that every every time we have to invite more and more people to join our deliberations. So maybe five or ten more every time. The problem with this uh, notices that I I I, I tend to uh, that's what I notice is that whenever you give them notice like two days before, they forget about it. <laughs> so I think uh, what I do is that I give them notice uh, maybe three days before, and then uh, one day before I give them another notice, dalawang notice, at saka kung pwede pa, tinatabagan ko sa PM sa uh, phone ng Facebook para makuusap ko. I think that campaign should be done by us para sa next meeting mas marami tayo, para mas maraming point of view, katulad ng point of view ni Mr. Astellero kanina nung nandito siya, nakikita natin ang iba-ibang point of view. At mas, mas nalilinis natin ang mga dumidumi o kakulangan ng mga ideya o ng mga proposal natin. Yun lang ang aking suggestion for the next meeting, let us invite more people. Okay, that is uh, noted. And uh, Melo Gold 8, uh, can you hear me? Pilmari Ponte? You want to say something? Okay, Milagros dan tayo, recognize. Go ahead. Nawawala po ako sarili, sir. Narinig ka, narinig kita. Ang masasabi ko lang, sir, tungkol sa president, sana po, hindi nala obligahin lahat ng tao magpa-injection. Yun lang po ang masasabi ko. Kasi po, katulad ko, senior citizen, tapos may depekto po ako, uh, hindi ko po kaya magpa-injection. Yun po ang masasabi ko sa presidente. Kasi hindi ko po na-gets na ang ano nito kasi ka-open ko nga lang. Hindi ko po siya narinig. Kaya yan ang uh, pinag-usapan na na-violate ang ating konstitusyon dahil wala yan sa konstitusyon na persahan na magmakuna. Kaya nang pag-usapan na kung maari uh, mapuna natin yan at uh, wag naman persahan kasi we have also the, our right and aside from that uh, nakita ko rin na doon sa Nuremberg uh, uh, trial lumalabas yan na walang persahan Ganon din dito sa UNESCO na may sinasabi rin ang uh, UNESCO na uh, wag persahin ang tao. So may batas na ganyan, kaya dapat respeto natin ang batas. 
At even in our constitution, dahil wala yan, huwag naman natin dagdag na yung wala sa constitution, dagdagan mo. So, because you will violate the constitution kung gawin mo yan. Hello, Thank Mike. you, sir. May local date? Can you hear me? Phil Maripunti? Okay, may local May local date, you are recognized. May local date, go ahead. Okay, thank you, sir. Sorry, I'm busy on inviting more people. Actually, Milagros Dantay and Phil Maripunti is part of my community. So, and also, I am doing live stream in my uh, Facebook uh, page and other destination so to invite more people here so as I promised in uh, past uh, meeting that I help to offer more uh, people to join in our platform so that's why I just muted and just listening the discussion. So actually, I I am not very well versed enough sa uh, about constitution and and history. More on technical tayo kaya wala ako masyadong ma-share or ma-paabot uh, na mga ideas sa discussion. But it's point of learning. Uh, para po uh, makakatulong din tayo sa iba. So, yun lang, sir. Kasi napag, napakinggan ko yung uh, program ni Atty. Aaron at uh, ni na Captain Ray, Ray Ball. Ang maganda na pag-usapan dahil that is also about constitution. Kaya nabanggit ko because dahil kagrupo mo rin sila, you might say something about that. Actually, sa GM, it's also more on technical only on my part and not a part of the uh, speaking engagement or ano. Uh, Kaya wala masyado akong may share. Okay, not Mr. Speaker. Yes, go ahead. You are recognized sa Atty. Posadas. Uh, yung sino yung nagsalita na ayaw magpabakuna dahil natatakot siya sa bakuna? Eh, Milagros Gantay. Yeah, okay. Ang masasabi natin nito, Milagros, na meron tayong inaantay na grupo dyan na magpa-file sila ng, ng uh, petition sa Supreme Court ng itinatawag lang writ of amparo na as a right of the people to defend themselves. Gusto nilang ang Supreme Court to order uh, the executive branch of government to show cause why they why their implementation of this vaccination and other health uh, implementation kuno against uh, the pandemic uh, is already unconstitutional kasi lagpas na yung national emergency law na dineclare ni uh, President Duterte over 6 months lang cumulatively ang effect ng national emergency law Eh, ilang taon na tsaka ilang buwan na, mahigit na one year and a half. So therefore, he's no longer authorized to implement and to order the Department of Health to force people for injection. Especially na wala naman talagang law ngayon. It's just a presidential decree which is already unauthorized. Now, with, pag nakapagpile ang Supreme, 
sa Supreme Court ng to show cause and order, lahat ng implementation na yan mahihinto. In the meantime, kung sakasakaling ma-force ka, you have the right to defend yourself. Okay? You have the right to defend yourself. Ang maging ang mangyayari niyan sa basic uh, criminal law, magiging assault and battery yan kung pipilitin ka. Tanganan ng kamay mo, tanganan ng braso mo para injectioning ka, tanganan ng any part of your katawan para pilitin ang bakasyonin, assault and battery na yan. So therefore, you invoke the right of self-defense. Bahala na kung ikulong ka nila, but you can defend yourself. Kesa naman, i-depend mo ang buhay mo na nakasalalay. Yes. Kaya, kung, hindi ako mag, kung hindi ako magkamali, kagrupo rin nila yan, Adorne, Prasadas, ang uh, lumalaban na yan, yung gising Maharlika, uh, nag-usap kami oh, ni Rival oh, na they have to file a writ of uh, uh, amparo. We will we will utilize all means. Just go through the motions of filing something legal and constitutional against the executive branch of government, and it's only the Supreme Court or the legis or the yeah Supreme Court that can show cause order for President Duterte to freeze what he's doing or his orders, because after all, it's already a constitutional issue. Lagpas nasya sa kanyang authority. So, even if he is under authority, a person will invoke the right to self-defense. Hmm. Kung pipilitin ka, that's already assault and battery. Kung sabihin nila, nevertheless, arresting ka, ikukulong kila, but at least, ikukulong mo, ididepend mo lang yung, sir, yung right mo, hindi yung, hindi, yung pag, hindi yung buhay mo. Okay, so, under duress, just uh, avoid and refuse. Yan ang uh, part ng, uh, ng civic uh, resistance. Okay, so noted. And uh, I think may bagong pumasok si Villalos. Do you want to say something? Villalos ba yan? Uh, wala po. Ah, okay. Anybody has to say something? May uh, 31 minutes pa tayo. Yes, you are recognized, uh, Professor uh, Hill Ramos. <coughs> For those that have just joined us, uh, the purpose of the group is to be able to uh, sway the leaders of the country to move peacefully into adoption or dehibernation of the 1899 Constitution as a reset button for us. And uh, I also would like to acknowledge the help that uh, Melo Gode has been giving us. He has been editing some of our videos and uh, he has been uh, instrumental in sharing this with other groups, with other uh, Facebook groups and uh, Yellow, Yellow uh, and the uh, YouTube area also. But uh, there are uh, uh, people like him who just silently are in the background, but helps us spread the message with a wide net, with the technical knowledge that they lend to us in the process of assisting our efforts. So thank you very much, Sanelo. I acknowledge your help. And thank you. We are very grateful for that. And uh, Mr. Speaker, the... Uh, 
we had a very good discussion right now. It was uh, some some of it could be considered a bit impassioned, but uh, that is uh, really something that you cannot avoid sometimes. Uh, but uh, that is good because uh, uh, when you enlighten things, when you light up a fire or have a, something that uh, exudes uh, a brightness uh, from the darkness. Sometimes it is unavoidable that some heat is also generated. That is why, Mr. Speaker, we are adopting the parliamentary system of addressing you in our exchanges. And I hope other people who will be joining us in this uh, Congress of ours would be able to adopt to that practice so that even if we are passionate in our discussions, we still address uh, each other indirectly by uh, addressing our questions and our replies to the speaker or the chair. <clears throat> now, the other things that we have to pay attention to now is uh, maybe a process of sharing data that maybe Mellow Gold 8 can assist us in uh, data that we would like to share. Like for instance, in my presentation, I have so much data to share regarding uh, Comelec, Comelec uh, information. So perhaps uh, Mellow Gold 8 can create uh, or assist us in trying to make our uh, Google Drive, if we are subscribing to Google Drive, available to each other so that we can store the data there and we can uh, mimic the data availability to government officials uh, that are in power rather than just us, the shadow government structure that we have in the web. As I was explaining to everybody who were interested, uh, we are creating a parliament of the web through these uh, sessions we are doing every Saturday. And we are also mimicking the shadow structure of government. We have a shadow DILG, we have a shadow DOF, Department of Finance, we have a shadow Bureau of Customs, we have a shadow Bureau of Internal Revenue, we have a shadow Agricultural Department under the leadership of Sunny Domingo, we have a shadow uh, Department of Trade, Department of Energy, things like that. And we are in the process of populating this. So uh, maybe Hello Gold 8 can look at them. They are available. They are shadow underscore something in Facebook. That is their addresses. And then uh, we can communicate to other people in our group in the Shadow Congress as to who among them would like to populate these places and not only populate them with their comments, but uh, more importantly, populate them with data because we need data. no? Our opinions have to be based on data, have to be based on facts. Hindi lang opinion lang natin. Kaya ako, I make the effort of, uh, for instance, clarifying concepts, defining taxonomies, so that when we talk about uh, certain things and we use particular jargon in a particular discipline, social discipline or whatever, we are understanding the same meaning of those terms as used in a scientific exchange among social scientists. That's what I try to assist. I do not in any way try to uh, sort of uh, uh, insult the, the, the understanding and comprehension of people, but it is best to have a common definition of terms so that when we discuss, 
we are agreeing on the meaning of things that we use in our discussion. And then <clears throat> the process of building up data in our shadow structures of government is also important so that uh, all our information, all our, uh, uh, our uh, point of views are based on such facts, hindi lang based on thin air. So mag-usap tayo sa Benham Rice, dapat alam natin ano bang area ng Benham Rice. Mag-usap tayo sa natural resources ng West Philippine Sea, alam natin na doon sa West Philippine Sea, meron ngayon proven reserves na 9 billion barrels of oil ha? at uh, 900 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. Yan ang pinag-uusapan dyan. Pag magsabi tayo ng problema sa Comelec, alam natin na sa Comelec mayroong ganitong klaseng uh, number of padded voters dahil sa ating analysis. So ang ating mga opinion ay laging may uh, kabatayan sa katotohanan at sa kung ano nangyayari. Kaya pag ano nang ating magawa, if we are able to achieve these things, what will happen is that we will be more informed and our uh, exchanges here would be much better and more educational than the spin masters or the pronouncements, the empty rhetoric that you'll be hearing from our elected uh, and even appointed uh, leaders. And that is what we're trying to do. Eventually, the truth will give us, will set us free, and knowledge will give us power. And that is what we will try to achieve. We will speak to power with truth, and by expanding our knowledge base, we will have to bend these uh, powerful individuals to our point of view because sometimes they do not even make the effort to educate us. They always make the effort to spin us, to let them understand, let us understand that uh, they are the better people than the others. They never talk about system changes. They talk about there being a better person than the other person. That is why we have a very personalist politics. What we want is a politics of issues and a confirmation and expansion and elaboration of the facts that we have to deal with as a nation. Yun lang po, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. And uh, uh, Rose, you just come in. Do you want to say something? Ms. Rose. Anybody has to say something? So, looks like no one to say something. And probably they are agreeable to what was being discussed. Uh, may badagdag pa ba kayo na... Uh, gusto nyo mapag-usapan o gusto malaman if you are open recognition Mr. Speaker yes you are recognized <coughs> well since we are about to end this uh, current plenary session unless uh, any other person would rise with a point of privilege uh, next time if, for instance, uh, Mr. Astelliero would like to address the body with a presentation next time, he's welcome to do it.
as a point of privilege, a particular point that you would like to share with us, you'll be welcome to do that, Mr. Astelliero. If nobody else will be sharing something next time in the next plenary session, which is July 2, I will be discussing as an economist uh, what I would call uh, militia economics. I will make a presentation on how we can, we can uh, rapidly uh, recover from uh, our present economic morass using uh, militia economics, which has been used by countries like the United States, Israel, China, and uh, also uh, the state uh, capitalist uh, economies of Finland and uh, Norway and Spain, and the cooperative state economics of uh, Germany as well. So those are the things I will be discussing, including the militia economics, which uh, Japan also used uh, in their, in their uh, preparation for the war against Russia. In just a period of 30 years, uh, they were able to build a Navy that defeated the Russian fleet in 1905. And uh, they continued forward to become a military industrial nation that was able to challenge the United States Pacific control in the 1940s. So these are the perspectives that we would like to do. Uh, I'm, I'm also doing continuing research on the vignettes and anecdotes about the record of our 1898 uh, constitution. But I can be helped by somebody in, in the country who could be able to research the records that we have in the National Museum about the deliberations, the, re the records of deliberations of the 1899 constitution, which I think is still uh, uh, in Spanish and has not yet been translated to English. So some researchers have to be asked to assist us in bringing that out. Uh, not many, uh, not many, not many understand, for instance, that the 1899 Constitution was an effort, was an effort to control the dictatorial powers of Aguinaldo. The misconception of many is that the 1899 Constitution was a creation of Aguinaldo. In fact, it was not. Aguinaldo already had a reputation and has a bad reputation for having been involved or ordering the killing of Bonifacio. That is why the 1896 conflict ended up uh, quickly after a year in a surrender that they had in fact of the Aknabato because uh, uh, Commander Alvarez or rather uh, the uh, head of the Magdiwang forces in Cavite, uh, Alvarez, uh, he withdrew from the fight. Also with uh, Jacinto, after, after Bonifacio was killed, he didn't want to fight anymore. So he, immediately Aguinaldo was uh, surrounded and he had to surrender in Paco Biak Nabato. Now that's how, that's how they got exiled to Hong Kong. When they got back uh, and then they won uh, with a rejuvenated uh, revolution with the commander, uh, with Admiral Dewey bringing up uh, Aguinaldo, uh, what happened was uh, he was uh, suspected as somebody who might abuse his power. 
So the 1898 Congress was immediately convened at the suggestion of Antonio Luna and Mabini to create a constitution. And that constitution was approved by them. This was based on the 1860 constitution of the Cadiz uh, Spanish Congress, 1860, and also the French constitution at the time. Those were the two constitutions that affected that uh, world. Uh, adopted as a, a way to draft our 1899 constitution. What happened after that is that they approved it in November 24, 1898. And there was an interregnum wherein there was a resistance from Aguinaldo to sign this constitution or to promulgate this constitution. Why? Because he would be less powerful after he left it. But the pressure from fellow delegates and the pressure now of the American war, American Philippine-American war, forced him to promulgate it in January 23, 1899. When Aguinaldo promulgated it in 1899, after that promulgation, he surrendered his dictatorial powers and took his oath of office as a president of the Republic. And after that time, his dictatorial powers are now controlled by the Congress. Meron ng check sa kanya. However, despite that, Nagkaroon pa rin sila ng power struggle ni Antonio Luna and Antonio Luna ended up dead because Antonio Luna was supposed to become the prime minister. He ended up dead, dead in June, just six months after the June 1899, six months after the 1899 constitution was promulgated. This uh, contest for power developed a lot of problems with our uh, leadership at the time and uh, even Aguinaldo was... Uh, already desperate and he almost wanted to resign and he was even offering the presidency of the Republic if he resigns to Apollinario Mabini, which Apollinario Mabini also declined because of his failing health, being a paralytic. Now, these kinds of drama, these kinds of things were never known to us, never thought to us in our history because the Americans have demonized everybody who were involved with our revolution and our fight as a separate nation against them. That is why Aguinaldo was so easily demonized because he also had real abuses. So up to now, most of us Filipinos don't understand that we had the real nation fighting a war against America, their first Asian war, the first war of America, and a bloody war that is even bloodier by density of population than the war they waged in Vietnam. These histories must be known to our people because right now, the jurisprudence and legal references that our lawyers have ends with the American public constitution. They do not even follow the jurisprudence and whatever decisions or legislations that was done by the 1899 constitution, which is our real constitution. So this kind of legal impairment in the education of our lawyers have to be changed. They have to recognize the fact that the American Constitution was an American puppet constitution. The Laurel Constitution was a Japanese puppet constitution. And the 1973 Constitution was a transmogrified 1971 Constitution that uh, Marcos promulgated at that time. And that the 1987 Constitution is nothing more but just an American protectorate constitution based on the kidnapping of President Marcos and based on the resistance and uh, support that they gave to Cory Aquino when 
in Rile and the Gringo Hanasan already had control of the Philippine military resources. These are the realities that we have to know. We are not, uh, in a sense, uh, picking up a fight, but we will just have to tell the truth to our people. And that's one of the missions of our group, telling the truth, get that, getting the truth out without bias, without any propaganda against anybody, and also expanding our knowledge base so that we understand exactly where we stand in this crossroads of our history. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Ramos, for uh, enlightening the group. And uh, anybody could say something? Or make reaction to what Professor Hill Ramos uh, had mentioned, which is, uh, I, I totally agree that it was not being uh, taught in school, why? Because, uh, you know, even uh, President Marcos and the Cor Corazon Aquino uh, in the book, they changed the history, which is not the real history of the Philippines. So anybody could say something? I would like to ask Bingo to comment on that. He's still being part of the younger group. Okay. Sure. Rose, you are recognized. Jingle, what do you think? Jingle or Rose, you are recognized. Maybe uh, John Viviano would like to say something. Oh, Mr. Stelliero wants to say something. Go ahead, uh, okay, Mr. Stelliero, go ahead. You are recognized. You are, you are. Please uh, unmute your uh, audio. Your audio has been muted. Okay, yeah, okay. No. Okay. Uh, well, the presentation of Hill Ramos is very good. Uh, it's uh, opening up a new uh, vistas of knowledge to us so that we can politically mature. Uh, this is a call to arms to really consider the 1899 constitution to substitute for our present constitution. Uh, it's going to be an uphill fight because uh, most people do not want the change, no? I, I feel. Even Congress, I don't think Congress will adopt the 1899 constitution. So it means explaining uh, why the 1899 Constitution should be adopted. And it will be really a big, big battle for the hearts and minds of Congress and all those government officials concerned and the general public. What we need now is a communication program. I think somebody should write down the argument Print the 1899, put in the argument, and as a conclusion, ask for its adoption. We need something in writing, maybe a few pages, because without uh, freezing all of these materials in writing, we'll be just talking and talking and changing ideas and concepts as we talk, like we'll be meeting again July 2nd. Uh, how do we know that we won't change our mind? So somebody should write this down 
and then give it to as a draft to everybody for improvement and then go on to several drafts until we can release it to the public and get their sentiment so thank you very much okay thank you for your uh, good comment uh, Professor Hel uh, Ramos, uh, it's now 11.51 and uh, you want to say something more? Because no one is uh, uh, interested to... Mr. Speaker. Yes, Attorney Prasadas, you are recognized. Deal, you have to... You have to... You have to state that there's already been a resolution, a written resolution that's been adopted and resolved last uh, June... Uh, when was that? Well, Gil, well, you were the speaker back then. So explain to Mr. Atilero that there is already a written resolution formally announcing our declaration to petition to shift to the 1899 Constitution and point out that get the, the, the website or the uh, Facebook account of Mr. Atilero and we will send him the resolution itself. Yeah. Please explain Mr. Okay, I, thank you, thank you. My my Facebook name is the same as my name here. So Emmanuel Aikan Astelero. Yeah, that's my Facebook name. Can you okay. send it to me, please, so I can read it? Thank you. I will, I will, after this meeting. Oh, by the way, before we end, Ben, uh, I must congratulate you for presiding and steering the discussion very well. You said you did not know Robert's rule of order, but I think you you, you got it. No, thank you very much. Well, uh, I highly appreciate your comment, <laughs> but yeah, I well, am not a speaker. <laughs> yes, the uh, documentation. The purpose of uh, our uh, continued sessions. If you maybe this has escaped uh, notice from by Mr. Astelliero. We really started uh, meeting uh, substantially about these issues, starting with the mm -hmm. birthday of uh, Dr. Rosarisa, June uh, 19. And uh, we will be meeting every Saturday with the Plenary Congress, which is this day, the 99 Congress, uh, every Saturday up to the birthday of Bonifacio, November 30. Then we adjourn. Uh, for the Christmas break. And then we resume our 2022 sessions on June, on, on January uh, 8th, the first Saturday of uh, 2022. Uh, and then proceeding forward to uh, uh, again, May 28th, the last Saturday of May. And those sessions in 2022, if we have elections will be much more uh, interesting because we will be analyzing the rhetoric and the uh, platforms that candidates will be propounding and, uh, and, and uh, advertising to the people. And maybe we will have a lot of fun exposing them as empty rhetoric. So uh, that is why our sessions uh, in 2022 will be more colorful. And by that time, we will have more adherents and maybe... Uh, Ben Lorke, by the time the speaker, our speaker Ben Lorke, would have already uh, sharpened his uh, presiding skills because there will be more polemics, heated polemics at that time. 
So uh, I thank you again for the effort, and I think uh, in five minutes we can begin to uh, and, uh, begin to uh, uh, wind up our meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank, thank you, Hill. And thank, thank you, everyone. It was a it was a good session. I enjoyed it. I I I doubt uh, what we had been discussed is clear that we are not against uh, the government. We are not against the administration of the thirty. We want only imminent change because we notice that. Uh, now the constitution is no longer uh, uh, respected. One, in time of uh, emergency, Article 12 was not being implemented despite the implement the Bayanihan system. So that is why uh, that is one of the main issues that during emergency the people has to be satisfied. But now the people are asking where we have to get money to pay our electricity where we have to get money to pay our uh, water until cost because uh, they are all jobless now so our economy is going down and going down so this is a big uh, issue and the real problem if we failed to uh, make a solution to that i will be uh, distributing the uh, powerpoint slides that i made so that everybody can use it for their own presentation, for their own groups. I will be uh, distributing it uh, in our uh, website as well as to the individual uh, Facebook uh, accounts of our uh, friends here. Yes, uh, please do it. Thank uh, you. That will help. Thank you. I'm with you. Uh, also, and the uh, this is recorded and this will be uh, exactly also there. Uh, I think Melo has already broadcast this and live stream this to other groups. But we have a uh, 1899 underscore Congress uh, YouTube channel, and you will find uh, this uh, proceedings uh, recorded and logged there in, the, in that channel. You just put 1899 underscore Congress and that channel will appear in YouTube. And you will find this also if you want to review everything that we have discussed here. Very good, and, uh, very good. Aside from that, aside from that uh, what you had explained uh, from uh, the time uh, Andres Bonifacio, submission of the Constitution, the death of uh, Antonio Luna, so if Milo can uh, make some, uh, uh, what you call this, uh, uh, PowerPoint, so that is much better to uh, rather than to explain only because it is very clear to the people who could see and could see. So I doubt uh, what we want into is clarification. We do not challenge. We do not challenge anybody to uh, create uh, whatsoever. But what we want is peace, love, and uh, let our economic grow. Thank you. Yes, uh, yes, Mr. Speaker, I am uh, in the process of preparing uh, a lot of PowerPoint slides because to me that is a portable way of communicating with our people and that can easily multiply our reach. 
and more people will understand what we are about. Uh, uh, Mr. Astelieros, your uh, audio yeah, 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 is not unmuted. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I enjoyed the session. Four hours. I've never stayed that long in any program. Thank you, thank you. Salamat, salamat. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Professor Hill, can you make yes. a closing remark? Well, uh, I am happy that everybody here is enthused about what we are about. We don't have to be a big group to start with, but like a snowball, as we roll over down the mountain, we'll become big enough to press all the opposition against us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I hope to see you again you. next June, June, July 2. In our July 2. Yes, July, same time. Okay. Same, yes, time. same time. Same time next week, Saturday. Okay. Thank Salamat you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. No one could comment more. Then uh, let's adjourn this session and let's meet again on July 2. Thank you, everyone.